Today is Thursday, September 21st, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, so simple a child can understand it. The gospel, the trinity, these concepts that people ask, act like they're so difficult to understand, they're really not. If you have a simple, open mind, and you're not coming from some like God-hating, bias, animus, it's not that difficult to understand. Um, whether you believe it or not, that's a different question, but as far as understanding it, it's so simple, a child can get it. Um, anyway, then we talk about soul ties and and that, which we have a tenuous grasp at best. But um, yeah, so let's, let's get into soul ties and what the Bible says, which is little to nothing, versus what people say the Bible says, which is substantially more. Uh, anyway, then we talk about children and baptism. Um, so what would be the right age to have a child baptized? How much parental responsibility and stewardship should we exercise in letting a child get baptized or take communion or things like that? And then some mixed match conversation along the way. I think circumcision pops up, um, if anyone's curious about that. <laughs> so, um, bad kitty, get back here. Come here, kitty. Bad kitty. Bad kitty. You want to meow? You want to meow, kitty cat? Oh, he's a good kitty cat. Say hi. Meow, animal. That's all you do is meow all day long. Meow. Come on. These people want to hear you. Okay. Anyway, so check out the Ask a Christian store. Support the podcast. Support sharing the gospel of Jesus with people on the internet and having civil discussions about Christianity. Cat, go play with the dog. Go play with the dog. Go. Go play with the dog. Go on. Go on. And <laughs> check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. And uh, it's free to read with uh, Kindle Unlimited subscription. Also, join our Discord server and share these links. Um, have an awesome day. See you all later. Oh, hey, you know what? That is a that is a great lead-in because that's what that that was my morning experience with my kids. Okay, so you know, we I I they're not super old yet, especially the little one. Um, so you know, we we talk about the the very basics that like you know a, a child age appropriate thing about God and religion and stuff like that. <clears throat> I could probably do more. Anyways, I, I'm. I'm like, guys, it's been a long time. Like, you know, we, you know, every time they go to church and stuff like that, I'll ask them, okay, what'd you learn? What was the story about? And it's always like a Bible story. But I'm like, okay, well, let's, you know, talk about this Jesus stuff, uh, you know, in my head. I didn't say this to them that way. But I'm like, okay, guys, so it's been a while. Do you have any questions? Let's talk to people about questions about God all day long. Do you have any questions at all? Or do you just not think about this stuff or what? And they, no, we think about it, daddy. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something I just want to hear. Um, I'm like, all right, well, fine. Let me know. Let me know. I'm like, uh, and they're like, oh, well, we have a question. And I forgot what it was, but it, it got on the subject of, you know, kind of what the same lining of questions people have here. It's like, if people don't believe in, in Jesus and then they believe right before they die, do they go to heaven? And I walk them through that answer. And uh, then they're like, well, what if people say they believe? Yeah, I mean, it was like a, a carbon copy of these rooms, except with childlike, uh, you know, with like an innocent understanding and like a tabula rasa type uh, vantage point instead of a seething, like, rabies-dripping, I-hate-God approach. Um, so I'm like, well, look, if someone believes in a God, um, if they truly do right before they die, then yes, like, whatever happens on this side of life, that determines your future. So if they don't believe in God all the way up until they die, if they somehow truly believe in God, ask Jesus to save them and forgive them, and believe he died for them and rose from the dead, then, you know, yes, that's that's the answer. And that's so whatever you decide on this side of life is what determines after that. And they're like, well, what if someone says they believed in Jesus and, uh, you know, their whole life and then like a few months before they died, they they re uh, realized they didn't believe in Jesus or they don't believe in Jesus. I'm like, well, then for one, that that's evidence. Well, no, they would go to hell. Like if they really don't believe in Jesus, 
then, you know, unfortunately that person is not going to be with Jesus. Um, but if they really did believe in Jesus, they would keep believing in Jesus. So I'm like, the, the fact that if they got to the end of their life and said they don't believe in Jesus, <clears throat> that means they were self-deceived. They were like tricking themselves and they never really believed in Jesus because if they did, they would keep believing. And then we get to the kicker. <clears throat> then I, I said something because, um, you know, we, have, we haven't talked about the Trinity, I don't think, ever because, you know, kids. Um, so I'm like, if they just, you know, believe Jesus is God and, you know, died for their sins, they're like, wait, Jesus is God? I'm like, oh, crap, I failed as a parent. But I'm like, uh, yes, Jesus is God. And they're like, I thought he was God's son. I'm like, great question. I'm like, okay. So then I explained it because all analogies break down. But I'm like, well, and this is on the way to school, right? So I had like three minutes. I think I did fair for three minutes. I'm sure there will be a follow-up after school. <clears throat> but uh, Chris, close your eyes to the trichotomous point of view for a minute. But I'm like, well, you know, Jesus is God, but he is also God's son. I'm like, you know, the Bible says Jesus is, is the visible image of the invisible God because, you know, God is God is spirit. I'm like, you know, spirit, not like not like a ghost you see on TV or something, but like, you know, like people will believe there's a spirit that continues to live. And they just kind of like, okay, we get that. I'm like, I'm not really sure. We're going to have to go back and explain that better. But I'm like, it's not like a ghost. Ghosts aren't real or anything like that. But, you know, we believe we have a spirit part of us that's going to continue living on. And, you know, we're, we're going to be with God and yada, yada. Um, so I'm like, Jesus is like, is like the body. I'm like, most people believe, you know, we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And I'm like, the body is like, you know, the part, like my hand's waving. You see my body. And, you know, you see like our, our spirit is the part we believe is going to continue living. And we believe our soul controls all that, like our, our brain, like our brain tells our arms to move and stuff like that. So so in a way, um, <clears throat> that, that's like, you know, three three parts. But we would never say that I that that's one part of Nate. You'd say, well, that's Nate. So I wouldn't say, well, you know, your body, little child, is just a part of you and your spirit is a part of you. I'd say, no, it's you. It's all you. Like your mind, body, soul, all, all of that. It's all one my child. And they're like, yeah, we get that. And I'm like, so you see in a way, it's not perfect, but I'm like, Jesus is the body, the spirit is the Holy Spirit, and the father is like the, the soul function, like the control, right? Like the, the brain, the, the power center. And they're like, oh, so you mean Jesus is like God in human form? I'm like, wow, my jaw just dropped. I'm like from the mouths of babes. So <clears throat> before I get attacked for a trichotomous view or something like that, keep in mind, I'm talking to a nine-year-old. And all analogies aren't perfect. But, man, I was pretty darn impressed. Like, they picked it up just like that, how we talk to, you know, the great philosopher atheists of our days um, <laughs> in these rooms. And they're just like, we don't understand. We have no idea what you're saying. I'm like, man, this proves it. Like, if you come in with, like, a rather innocent approach and you don't have, like, some animus against this idea of a god in the beginning, it's like, a child, a nine-year-old gets it, and I didn't lead them. They they brought it to me. They're like, oh, so like when we see Jesus, that's like God in body form. I'm like, wow. I'm like, put a, put a like priestly garment on this child already. Like she can lead the masses. So anyways, that, that harkens back to St. Jerome, peace be upon him. The gospel is so simple, a child can get it, and so deep, theologians can drown in it. I, I kind of modified that a little bit. But anyways, what do you think about that, Chris? That's modalism, Patrick. No, it's not. What else do you think about that, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, kids ask questions. Do you want to know the question my kid asked this morning on the way to school? I got this. Why do you, uh, was it, Daddy, why are you going to detract from Nate's children to bring up me? Is, is that the question? <laughs> that was the question. 
That was the question. All right, brag on my brag on my kids first, and then we'll <laughs> no, talk your about kids, your little your scholar. Kids did great. Your <laughs> kids are nine. Uh, yeah, nine and eleven. Nine and eleven. So, yeah, I mean that's. I mean, you led but, them to a good conclusion. But I mean, more than my kids, it's just like a bit bigger than them. I mean, you know, proud papa moment. But still, like bigger than my kids, it's just goodness. You could probably take like any like nine, ten year old who hadn't had like who wasn't steeped in atheism or Christianity and explain that and be like, oh yeah, we get it. Like we have some concept of a spirit, even if it's watching Disney movies. Um, probably demonic spirit, but you know, like everyone's seen a ghost. So it's like, oh, you know what ghosts on TV? Well, not like that. Do you know a difference in like a spirit and a ghost? And it doesn't take them a whole lot to be like, oh yeah, that like something in them just understands kind of like Romans one. So it doesn't take a lot of, of prying it out of them when you have a pretty, a pretty neutral playing field. And then from there, it's just like, oh, so like Jesus is God in human form. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's like if, if these atheist people could just like scrub off all the layers of soot on top of their Romans one knowledge, they'd be like that child. And they'd be like, yeah, we get that. Again, they don't even have to believe it. They should. But I mean, it shouldn't be like the most difficult concept in the world to grasp. Okay, tell us about your little Einstein. Did he ask about like the teleological argument from existence or I don't know, something like that? No, this kid, he's been working with some of his friends um, that are Roman Catholic. And he, he said to me, how do Roman Catholic saints contribute to the treasury of merit? Whoa. And I was like, okay, let's talk about it. I was like, really? Is this your question this morning? Really? How old is he again? 13. I'm very impressed. And, and Nate, I'm impressed with how you answered uh, the question for your kid. Much better than I did this weekend. My son did oh, ask boy. me what, what happened? <laughs> My son asked me about uh, gay people and sin. And so, you know, I, I told him about it. And I said, like, but, you know, also sin is stuff like if you're eating too much chocolate cake, you know. And he goes, you can go to hell if you don't repent for eating too much chocolate cake. So I had to unwind that for like 10 minutes. <laughs> How old is this child? 11. <laughs> now, I mean, mine goes, mine goes to a Christian school. They have Bible class and they discuss these things in Bible class. So. It's a bit different. He's, I mean, I don't know. He's not just coming up with this was, on his own. Chocolate cake thing was a little weak. Can you guys hear that? I promise I'm not peeing. That's my filtered water. I never know how loud that's going to be. Oh, it's, it's pretty funny. Oh, wait. What's your PTR today? Oh, is it, uh, is it uh, Jesus taking the wheel, the F-35? <laughs> yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> So, Chris, something in Nate's story actually triggered a question for me. Um, so can you give your biblical perspective on the difference between the soul and the spirit? And part two is, do you believe in the concept of soul ties? Let me start with the first one for Chris. There is absolutely no difference. They are interchangeable in every possible way, except maybe one possible way. How would I do? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Go ahead. So I'm just a proud papa right now because Nate knows trichotomy versus dichotomy. And I feel like I contributed to that. So 
Um, but uh, a dichotomy is the belief that the, that you are a body and a soul. This has been the belief throughout um, church history. Um, Aquinas talks about this quite a bit. He's a dichotomist. Um, you know, uh, Calvin talks about this quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, the trichotomy was popular in the East. And so um, Eastern Orthodoxy, we'll talk about trichotomy. Um, but other than that, yeah. So, so we would believe as dichotomists that there is no difference between soul and spirit. A trichotomist would believe that there is, like Nate said, different functions of body, soul, and spirit. But that they are all inseparable. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And what's your perspective on soul ties? Do you think that's a real concept? I don't know anything about it. I've never even heard of it. What? I think you've like said like you've pronounced some heresy on people or something like that, or like voodoo. I mean, are we talking about like stuff? spirit husbands or something like that? Like I've heard some of that crap and our stuff, but I don't know about soul ties. I think, maybe, I think maybe it's a different was, term. No, I, I different term, same thing. Like I think that's where you're going. Like like you mean like if you hook up with a bunch of people, right? Like how they'll have like deliverance ministries and it's like list all your sexual partners, yes. write them down. Yes. And you're going to tear this up and burn it. You're going to like say this prayer slash incantation to, uh, to break these soul ties and stuff like that. Because you know, if you're, if you like lay with a woman or something like that, then you're spiritually bound and you're, you, the two become one flesh and like that thing. So, I mean, what? on one hand trying to be trying, you've I never heard that. Never, ever heard. That. <clears throat> all this right, is a very mainstream teaching. Go ahead, Nate. Okay. So, Trying to be fair, as I usually try to be, um, it comes from you know all all the Bible verses that you would say were taken out of context. But you, you know it, it would come from things that I could kind of agree with in principle, but technically, eh. but yeah. So things like you know that talk about two become one and stuff like that, and the husband will leave his daughter, like all the stuff about marriage. But they just apply it like if you're not married, there's still like attachment, like you know you still you intermingle, you you you. Um, you know, you've had intercourse, you, there's attachments there. Um, and then they will say like, you know, this can, this can cause you problems similar to like, you know, an alcoholic who gets addicted. Um, even if you say there's not like a, a literal demon lurking on their back, um, you know, because of like their addiction and how much alcohol they pounded, um, you know, there's like some funk left on them. Like there, there's some problem, there's some addiction, there's some residual like want, there's a bent towards more of this stuff. Um, so it, it would be similar with any other substance, except soul ties are specifically like, you know, in the sexual world. Um, so they, they would say, yeah, that because of all the biblical reasons about marriage, how you're bound to one another, how you're tied, how the two have become one flesh, um, that if it's not marriage and it's not godly and it was sinful, well, then, you know, there's like some kind of like stuff attached, like either you have a bent to want to go to stay in this world, to go hook up with more people like you're drawn to this. And I can agree. Um, <clears throat> Like, I think there's merit to it, but um, is it is it theologically sound or does it need to be? Like, what are the reasons uh, someone could do this? Is it because, like, demons are, like, pulling these, like, strings, like, forcing you back into, like, sexual sin? Um, or is it, again, like, psychosomatic, how you've done this stuff, and it's like once you get this dopamine, it's, like, completely normal chemical relax reaction where you're, like, you want more of it. You're, like, oh, I hooked up with some hookers. And, you know, I got that dopamine rush, so now I'm drawn to hookers. Um, it may not mean there's, like, soul ties in the way they say it, but there could also be some validity. They could just be, like, misdiagnosing, like, oh, well, you want dopamine. It's a biochemical reaction, so 
you need to find healthy ways to create neural pathways and break that channel. Um, they do it from a religious thing, which, by the way, I don't think is bad, um, <clears throat> depending how far these take it. Because like the uh, CEO said, it's a mainstream teaching, but there's lots of people that, that take it very different ways. So someone that was very normal about it, that's like, hey, you know, this is sin just like any other sin. The Bible does say sexual sin, you know, it, it's committed within yourself. So it seems to say it's it's like a certain category of sin that's not just like eating too much chocolate cake and a gluttony. But, you know, it, because you're singing against your own body, the Holy Spirit dwells. So it seems like, and watch, if you can hang out, we've missed you the last three days because you take off before we get to you. But I would like to talk to you if you hang on a minute. But um, anyway, so if you're like, well, yeah, you know, you repent of that, you pray, you're like, you know, Lord, I've, I've done the sin, just like all the others, you know, forgive me, I'm sorry for this, you know, help me to not do it again, help me to focus better and blah, 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 and learn and grow and stuff like that and not do it again. So I don't think praying and, you know, confessing and admitting and listing and being aware of your sin and then acknowledging that before God and, and seeking help to turn away from this, I don't think that's bad. So I guess my my condemnation or not would come on how weird it gets and um, how theologically far they stray. Anyway, in a nutshell, that is soul ties, Chris, and that is my thoughts on them. So it can range from perfectly normal um, and good idea and biblically based to really weird and crazy. You drove your vegan friend away. Um, <clears throat> I have just never heard of this. Now, I mean, if we're talking about psychological attachment to dopamine hits, like I, I can buy into that, sure. Uh, we're talking about some kind of like like CEO, who would be somebody who teaches this soul tie doctrine? Because like I've literally never heard of it until. I, I yeah no I mean like um, I went to a retreat and it was taught and, and to be honest with you I found it to be quite useful. I'll give you a practical example. I'm just going to change the person's name, but my ex fiance, let's call her Clarissa. Like we had just let's say a very intense relationship. This was before I was Christian, and. It took me a long time to just distance myself from that. And at this retreat, they were talking about this idea of soul ties and how it's like this feeling that you can't pull away from somebody and all this and that. And then they suggested we, you know, do this thing where we, we symbolically, you know, exit that person. In my case, I ended up going home and eventually, and this is going to sound extreme, I know. I ended up like burning a picture. But to tell you the truth, I felt such a release afterwards and was able to move on at that point. So, you know, whether it's your spiritual component or to Nate's point, it's purely psychological. It was practical. It had practical value. And I know a lot of people who, who felt the same sort of way. And let me tell myself, Chris, I, I will say the first place I heard of this was <laughs> in my Assembly of God Church about 10 years ago. So I'll tell on myself. I mean, it came from my people. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, but like, yeah, I, I, I just, I mean, I'm just trying to correlate. Like, I don't, I don't have any experience with this. I've never heard this once in my entire life. I cannot um, believe that. Yeah, I mean, the TV show called Friends. A TV show called Friends? Yes. Really? No? Did you say yes? Wait, what? Yes, of course I've saw Friends. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, okay, good, good. I, I was really <laughs> <interested>. <laughs> Wait, have you heard of this? Of course. You have? Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Chris. Am I the in only the one? Yes, yes so you're the only one, Chris. No, I haven't stop heard of this Chris, either. Stop. You haven't heard oh, of this, Steph? Thank you. Chris, stop living in the 13th century, 
and start reading stuff about 2023. <laughs> I'm Googling, is it the soul tie? Is that the topic of conversation right now? Yes, I had to, okay, so I had to Google this because I came in halfway through this. So a soul tie is when you sleep with somebody and have a connection to their spirit. Yeah, see, that just uh, sounds ridiculous to me. Now, like, if we're talking about, like, psychologically, like, psychologically, sure, you've got, like, some obsession with some other person that is in your past. Like, I can see what CEO is talking about and healing from that and it's, it's doing something fair, cathartic, I suppose. It's somewhere between those two. So, you know, that was me. That was me being, you know, my normal dry self who's like, it's com if it's completely natural and completely this way. Like, if I explained it to these people, they'd probably agree there is an element to that. But, I mean, it seems, I mean, I would say, CEO, in your experience, <clears throat> would you say it's a split between those? So they certainly wouldn't say it's completely normal or completely natural. They, they would say that it's definitely spiritual, but it's not like, you know, what Chris was just saying, like extreme, like you're spiritually bound and, and forever, like, obsessed or attached. Like, they wouldn't say that either. It's like well, splitting the difference. Yeah, like, agreed. Uh, yeah, yesterday, I agree. Wait, I'm no, you didn't. Is this a know Christian thing or a witchy thing? No, this is a Christian. Is... Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait! Stop! 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 <laughs> I... Okay, everyone, stop! I, I'm having to talk too fast, and stuff is getting lost. Chris, I didn't say you said it like you're pronouncing judgment. You asked. You're like, are you saying it's like they're obsessed or attached spiritually, like that? Not that you're pronouncing judgment because you're trying to parse your way through it. And I said it's not that extreme, but it's also not so normal as to be like it's completely natural. It's somewhere in the middle. So they believe that based on all the Bible verses about, you know, the two become one flesh and all that stuff, that there is an ungodly, like, attachment to these people. Um, so, so somehow, like, you're, you're bound, like, it's got some kind of spiritual funk around you, and that needs to be, like, admitted and, you know, repented of and got rid of, um, you know, to, like, I don't know, clear the error. Like, um, it may, maybe, like, a, a Christian smudging. Oh, so like, so like when I go around, like when I went around my house this morning burning sage, it's like that, right? Well, Except I'm, I, the way I'm saying that and the way you're going to take that is like pagan witchcraft. Um, but like being true to yourself, you would, you would pro like once you, once you get your head around it and realize what you're talking about, that's going to be your impression of it is it's going to be like a Christian white sage burning. So like, instead of like going to to sage and herbs to cleanse the room of evil spirits you're going to god and saying you know god i've done this i've you know hooked up with all these like men or women and you know that was wrong it was sexual sin and you know you say the sinning against the body is worse because you're sinning against your own body and you know i'm sorry for this i repent you know break break all this like stuff that's around me or on me or whatever however that works um forgive me help me to do better that that's like what that's the end result but you'll be like yeah it's christian sorcery Okay, let me let me see if I can take Steph for this real quick. Steph, have you ever had a feeling that felt more than physical? It felt like there was some spiritual connection to it as well? I mean, yeah, I have an anxiety disorder, so totally. Okay, so... <laughs> I don't think he means, okay. like, anxiety. Though. Yeah, I don't mean Oh, anxiety. well, that's the only feeling I feel, yeah. Oh, like okay. all? Uh, but has, has there, so, like, your connection to your husband or connection to some other person? Oh, like, or that some feeling, some instinct you've yeah. had, has it ever felt beyond the, the spiritual in some nature? No, I see what you're describing. So, 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 something like uh, ethereal, something that's transcend, like, uh, what do you call it? Transcendent. Yeah. Okay. So, now take that and imagine the negative version of it. 
and you have difficulty like getting over somebody or like you don't want to think about something you don't want to have a connection but you still do and it seems more than physical so that essentially is what a soul tie is does that okay. make sense so in oh my gosh psychology, i just can't quit you this, why can't i quit you i just can't quit you they call Even this obsessive compulsion yes. right so that's what that's what you're describing not to that degree but well, sure. they can come in like a range of, if it's like you're doing the dishes and all of a sudden the thought of your ex-girlfriend pops up and you're like, oh my gosh, that just gave me this visceral reaction of intense sadness or intense anger or intense whatever. But the, I, but don't, also, I don't want to have that thought. And you begin resisting that thought. That phenomenon is called in psychology, an obsessive compulsion. It doesn't mean, it's not something that you're, it's an, an obsessive compulsive thought is a thought that you don't want to have and then resist. But that's also not the full spectrum of, of what they're talking about. So that may be one thing, but that's not in totality. It could just be like, hey, uh, again, I don't know why hookers and, you know, extreme examples are what we do here. But, I mean, I guess I'm the one doing it. But, again, it could be like, yeah, so hook up with 50 hookers. Sound clip. I, I, I don't, like, I, I don't have an obsessive thought about, you know, Jeannie, the one-legged hooker. I don't have a thought about her. I never think about her again, except I happen to remember I hooked up with her and that was her name. Uh, but you know, all, all Bro, these hookers, I don't think about them. Place. It's totally not what, like Steph is saying, like it's not that. So like what that applies to, sure. But like another thing is, hey, I just recognize that I've done all these sins against God with all these like, you know, hookers and whatever. And I regret that. So I don't obsess. I don't think of it. I barely remember them only enough to know that, you know, I have sinned and I've done it. So, I mean, that may be one element, Steph, but it's not all encompassing. Like the, the big point is you've sinned, you've slept with a lot of people. It's not good. That Say a prayer like, yeah. and get over that. Is a soul Can tie always me? sexual? Like, is that the soul tie thing is sexual in nature? I mean, it's no different than like tw maybe like twelve steps for alcoholism. It's just like the sexual version of that. What? I'm getting more and more maybe. confused as this goes on. Right. This is my feeling. Why? I okay. I, I, Do you guys enjoy Steph and I being on the same page? Because this is. You, this is I, I honestly don't know how this is happening. Okay, maybe there. It's like. Just think any any like group, any 12-step group for Christians for anything, and then just think, oh, well, here's the one for sex stuff. So there's probably like gambling anonymous. Uh, anonymous. Is that like a Christian-rooted thing? It's like any issue you have, like, well, you know, rageaholics. Do you know, have a soul tie to like poker chips? Or... No, I'm saying, I'm, saying the, so I'm saying this. Is a soul, soul tie one tie. of the steps, like breaking the soul tie? This is the connection. Maybe the reason you're confused is because you're not listening. <laughs> um I, I'm, I'm trying to help, but I mean, maybe we're running out. So forget soul ties. Soul ties is its own category. So if you have a problem with gambling, they'll be like, oh, well, here's the Christian, you know, self-help for gambling. Like, you know, pray, seek God, read the Bible, you know, read some Proverbs verses about how money is not all there is and gambling is bad and be wise with your money. If you have a problem with rage, like maybe Chris should go to sometimes, um, here's all the Christian stuff and Bible verses about about rage and how it's better to live at peace with all people, yada, yada. Oh, do you have a problem with sexual sin? Okay, well, we believe there's soul ties to that. And, you know, if you have sex with lots of people, then, you know, about, like, people saying that two become one flesh when they, like, hook up with each other and stuff like that. So so we think there's, like, some spiritual, some spiritual weight um, attached to these sins. So, you know, just repent, and here's all the appropriate biblical verses. So here's some practical things. Um, so, you know, if, if you remember them all, like, you know, like name them, I, I guess, because why not for good measure, 
So be like, you know, Lord, I, I address this person, this sin, like, you know, all the things I may not even remember. I, I repent of this, you know, help me to go on my way. I'm going to focus and meditate on the word about the Bible verses about sexual sin and sexual purity and how it's, it's important to, you know, not just go sleeping around. So that's it. It's just like the sex category for Christians who have problems with that stuff. If you still don't get it, I, th I don't think I can help you. Yeah, I'm more confused. So I think this sounds to me like charismatic. If he's heard of a soul tie and he's like, what's a soul tie? See, I'm not alone. We're not alone, Steph. Can I, I think Chris can I was about to get it. It's, it's like kind of like a charismatic type thing. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure Chris was going to be completely fair in his assessment, but I think he was going to start out right. Yeah, I was. Well, like, yeah, it's, I, it's, I stopped talking because I realized I was trying to be nicer. So, um, let me. How can I say this? And I'm going to be my uh, Michael, whom apparently I have a soul tie with, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, have you slept with him? Oh wait, no. Okay. See, no, I no. Keep going. You're doing great. Far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing great. So let's see. Uh, well, I. Oh, by the way, one thing I know I don't have a problem with is anger. Right? Everybody can agree to that, right? No? no? Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, Steph is literally like, her eyes have fallen out of her I head said out her loud, head. no comment, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, it sounds like kind of a charismatic thing that I've seen a, a few parallels to. And now that you're describing it, I've heard something along these lines when I was like in my twenties um, and my wife and I were uh, like, we were visiting like Benny Hinn's church and stuff um, mainly for the lulls, but um, yeah, weird. So I would say it's a, it's a weird charismatic thing. When you say mainstream, maybe mainstream and charismaticism, which is why Steph and I and Steph's husband have never heard of this because we were never in charismatic churches as far as I, as far as I know. Maybe Steph has been in charismatic churches, but nope. you know, so this is just if you're a Baptist or somebody who's reformed or anything that's not like a charismatic, I just don't think that this is something that people have heard of. Oh, one more thing. I think this is going to help, but it's probably going to make things worse. Of course you haven't. Have you guys ever heard of like a, a freedom conference or like you would associate it with like a deliverance ministry, but I'm going to say there's a distinction, but have you ever heard the term like, like freedom group or freedom conference or any, anything like that? No. Okay. That, that would be another thing. I, I don't know if you'd say it's necessarily charismatic except where it overlaps with like, maybe like some Pentecostal stuff. So maybe quasi charismatic. But again, the idea is like, you know, like intense confrontation of your messed up past. Like as a Calvinist, you should love this. Like, it's like, if you want to get in touch yeah. with like human depravity, if you want to get in touch with your human depravity side, like typically I'll see it. And like, I, I didn't see it for like 10 years ago, but it just kind of popped up and like, you know, more like, I guess, Pentecostal leaning churches or like, you know, even the Assemblies of God that I have a background with. Steph, don't let that sway you away from it. Um, you know, get rid of those demons that you have. Um, but in specifically the Assemblies of God type churches, um, they'll call it like a freedom ministry or a freedom group, like how churches have small groups. Well, they'll always encourage like people when they join the church, um, 
you know, if they're like a new believer or something like that, like they'll encourage them to go to one of the like freedom groups. So basically while everyone else who's already just like, you know, run of the mill Christians are having their small groups. Well, it's to put a specific emphasis on like new believers to be like, okay, you're new to Christianity. Like this is like discipleship 101. Like, you know, you have sin. And it's a little a little more involved than, hey, you know, you just got some sin. Just, you know, pray to Jesus and, you know, ask him to forgive you. And all right, great. Um, go live your life. <clears throat> but don't but sin. Don't sin. <clears throat> okay, I like that. It's a, I, it, mean, it, yeah, I can get uh, behind that. Yeah. Well, hang on. So, so it's a little bit more intense. Like, okay, so it's not just like you sin, say quick prayer, and now go live your Christian life. It's like, well, really take a moment. Really, we're going to lead you through. It's like 12 or 13 or 16 weeks or something. And it's like we're really going to lead you through this and focus on what the Bible says. So, yeah, you're going to be with this hardcore for about 50% um, probably. But they're like, you have sinned. What does that really mean? Like you just like willy-nilly slept with some people. You've like, you know, stolen some stuff. You've like, I don't know, whatever your sin is, assault, prison, like whatever you've done. It's not just like, oh, no big deal. It's like you have a holy God who bled and died. And like, you know, they, they really make a point to be like, yes, sin has weight. That is a horrible thing you've done against God, yet God loves you, God forgave you, that is Christianity. So keep that in mind, and you know, while, while sin doesn't make a difference, you're forgiven in Christ, uh, the blood that was shed, think twice and try to live, you know, good. Try to not sin. Um, so anyway, so it brings... What's the part I'm not going to like about this? You said I'd well, be I'm, on I, board with 50% of it. Are you going to lay the other 50% on me? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe you'll like it. I'm just, you know, taking everything I know of you and trying to hedge. So anyways, it culminates in this conference. So after they go through and, you know, like maybe soul ties will be one. It's like, well, one week they'll be like, okay, all, all the people you've slept with outside of marriage, like, you know, this is this is bad. This was sinned. You've sinned against your own body. You know, Paul says this is really bad and egregious because you're sinning within yourself, and that's where the Holy Spirit lives. So, you know, let's go through and, like, you know, focus on this, pray, like all these people, like, you know, remember these experiences, remember how they made you felt, remember this, like, you know, break these soul ties or whatever and like you know pray these prayers like you know god forgive me blah blah, blah all the stuff and then it culminates like in this like uh, freedom conference where at the end of all this so not just the soul ties but i think that's like one element of it they'll, they'll go through kind of like all these categories of discipleship christianity sin and then it culminates within like this this freedom weekend where it's basically like you know you've just gone through this now you're like you really understand what it means to be a Christian. It's more than just that first week when you said a quick prayer, like, Lord, forgive me. I want to follow you, even though I don't know what that means. Now you've done Christian discipleship. So now it's like you really know what that means to be a disciple of Christ. And it's like this big kind of like celebration, like, you know, worship church experience. And, you know, there's usually a strong emphasis on like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, you know, they will make a point. I've heard that, you know, it's not necessary. You're already saved. But we believe there's more, and we believe you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, not sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're already sealed. You're already saved. But with the evidence of speaking in tongues and this type of stuff. So it, it's usually like a culmination of that, like true discipleship, like understanding what the death, burial, resurrection of Christ truly means, expo exploring the huge weight of the sin that you've caused, your utter depravity as a person, and the redemptive power of God to save you. And then, so it's, it's happy, it's acknowledgement, it's praising God for that. And then, you know, there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you'd like that, come pray for that. Um, anyway, so that, I mean, that's the, that's the most exhaustive, exhaustive I can be. And I can give this, I Googled this. I'm going to give a one sentence explanation. <laughs> Thank you. Breaking, I did like okay. 10 minutes. Breaking soul <laughs> ties is helping you detox from all toxic relationships. Okay. 
Uh, well, the second that, blessing thing I can't get behind because that's just nonsense. But what the the second blessing thing that's just nonsense. But the the rest of it sounds pretty that. good. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So I'm trying to be nice. Um, the second blessing stuff sounds completely and utterly unbiblical and a false teaching. Is that better? Uh, if that were true, but we would not, and we, like I'm speaking to these people, I, I don't do the freedom <laughs> stuff on computer, but I do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would not call that a second blessing. Because I know we talked about that before, and I, it sounded like I hurt your feelings. You're like, you're saying you're more of a Christian than me because you have a second blessing? Uh, it's not, I, I don't see it that way. Like, it's, 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 I mean, I don't really have feelings, but yeah, like you. You, you, say you say I that. I think I mean that, but I think you 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 feel deeply. You're a passionate, You're a passionate and feeling problem. man. And echoing. That's fair. But this is, you know, this is why I've taken up uh, witchcraft lately, apparently. So. <laughs> oh, we're all doing so good right now. We're all doing so good. Mr. Lehman wants to know if you can have a soul tie with God. Leave it to him to make it weirder. Right? I think that just got into the realm is super weird. Look, man, the whole thing about, like, you know, psychologically what CEO is talking about, I can get behind that. Like, you know, I think that, you know, dealing with your past is a great idea and a great tool. And, you know, I, I think that I get behind the idea of these freedom things where they're literally discipling people for, like, 16 weeks and teaching them the basics of Christianity. I'm all about that, too. Like, like you said, I'm 50% on board, um, you know, whether it. or not they're talking about a second blessing and getting baptized with the Holy Spirit as a second blessing. I mean, I guess we could quibble about that, but like, you know, overall it sounds good, but like the soul tie thing, if we're talking about a spiritual component to the soul tie thing, I do not think the scripture teaches that. I think you would be extremely hard pressed in the scripture to come up with that teaching. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've given, like, I I don't know how deep they really go, but I mean, I've, I've touched on from what I, I know the the highlights of where they'd get that, right? And that's like the two become one flesh and, and things like that. So, I mean, they will use that scripture. You, you could say it's out of context, but I mean, you know, I could get on board and be like, okay, well, it makes sense if, you know, you hook up with someone and, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing DNA with the people. Like, it just makes sense that, you know, the Bible talks about the two becoming one flesh, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, from, from a natural standpoint, it makes sense that there would be some kind of, I mean, there's definitely a physical thing there. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, there could be some spiritual thing there. I, I don't know what I'd, I'd categorize that as, but I mean, you know, if it's the same for husbands and wives, but this is not husbands and wives, it, it seems like, I don't know, like there, there could be a spiritual element of something. And didn't Jesus um, back this up? He said something to a woman like, you have seven husbands? Well, but that's... Wait, would she like, okay, so this is my next question on this. To people who hold this doctrine, if somebody had slept with, I mean, what about, what's his face from Kiss? Who says he's slept with like 90,000 women? Does he have 90,000 soul ties out there? Is he just like a walking spider web of... Soul ties? So my my understanding of it is that he wouldn't have ninety. It's more so when it shows up when it shows problems. up in yeah, your life, one. and it's um, and it's a connection that you're having difficulty with. That is the soul tie. Okay, aspect. okay. It is. It, yeah. So <laughs> if you have slept with ninety thousand people, wouldn't that like what makes 
a hundred of them soul tied and the other, you know, well, or first it'd probably be four or six, I would guess. Um, in his case, maybe, uh, it would be the people he's having difficulty with, you know, like if he's having difficulty, he might not have difficulty with any of them. Yeah. I um, guess that's yeah. the symptom. What are the mechanics of this? Like no, what would so, create a soul tie or not? I don't think there's any, so I know what CEO is saying is a component, but it's not the completion of it. Like it's not just people you're having issues getting over or something like that. That that is one element, but that's not all encompassing. So what you said, like that uh, he's a walking spider web, which by the way, he's got bigger issues than who he slept with. Um, so you know he should focus on that because soul ties are not none of that matters. He's got other issues. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, in theory. He is a spider web walking around with like, you know, 100,000 soul ties. But I mean, what is the practical application? I don't think there is any beyond like this is just like some kind of funk on your shoulders that you need to deal with and go to God and, you know, really acknowledge the weight of it and how it was bad and egregious and really, you know, pray through that. Not just be like, oh, you know, that sucks. Sorry. Oops. Forgive me. But it's like, yeah, realize what you what you really did, like all the stuff you put, you know, you, them, uh, your bodies, your emotional, emotional stuff through. What's the difference between run of the mill being uh, convicted by an understanding of your sin versus a soul tie? So I think Nate nailed this. I'm just adding this element that sometimes it it feels like it manifests for you more with certain people. So. Like what I'm suggesting is that there's times where it's highlighted more in your life. And that typically ends up being the scenarios that you have to deal with on a deeper level. And that's why I said, like, I, I just thought the idea and mispractice of it, again, whether spiritual nature or just psychological, practically it has great value. Yeah, yeah I, I, not I, landing this question. Okay, so I, I, well, you're you're landing it. I'm just I'm having a difficult time explaining it because I, I I'm running out of tools to use. So okay, if you if you tell a lie, if you tell a lie when you're if you tell a lie when you're a teenager and you're like that was wrong that was a sin before God God forgive me for telling a lie. If you get uh, like if someone gets sexually assaulted and is like has years of abuse and trauma and harbors hate and unforgiveness. And like that, I mean, that is a serious thing on their shoulders. So call it spiritual, call it natural, whatever. That is some big thing on their shoulders that they have to deal with. So what's the difference in a lie and that? Well, practically speaking, I mean, it's all sin. It should all be, you know, repented of and got over and, you know, asked forgiveness for all, all the stuff you've, you've sinned against. But practically, yeah, I can get over a lie a lot easier than I could get over some like serious PTSD induced trauma and the rage and hate and unforgiveness that perhaps comes with that. So if you're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just forgive this person that did that. You know, they sinned against me, and, you know, I have hate in my heart for them, and hate's a sin, so I'll just forgive them. It's not quite that easy. You're, you're really going to need to, like, probably do some intense thinking or therapy or praying to get in a place that you can forgive the person that put you through all that. Um, okay. So maybe not that egregious, but somewhere in between lying and hardcore trauma you may find the soul tie issue where it's like not as, oh, I just you know slept with a hundred people. It, it's a little more weighty than that. Um, does that help? Yes. So what you're, I think what I'm getting is that the soul tie is maybe a name for a particular level of conviction. Like this person, I really, like, for example, this person 
my ex-girlfriend. I really treated her as though she was my wife. I really behaved. And then when that ended, I have all of this, or like maybe I was really unkind to her in the relationship, or maybe I did. So it's like extra things that would pile on conviction. And so then that is what you're labeling a soul tie. Is that, and then I have a follow-up. Let's just say, Steph, do you have ex-girlfriends? Wait. No, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Art school. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I've only ever dated two people and I married one. So you figure, no, I have not. I have no ex-girlfriends. Okay. So anyway, anyway, I'm wondering to people who hold to this doctrine, what the mechanics of it are, because as soon as you start saying there's a Bible verse for this, then it's like, oh, okay, then this must be like testable and repeatable, right? So we have a Bible verse that states that when you sleep with someone and the two become one flesh and someone who holds to a soul tie at this level would then say, yeah, that's where the problem is. Then my, my question that I'm trying to get to the bottom of is like, if you slept with two people, right? And you're not married to either one of them. Why wouldn't both get the soul tie or neither? Like what, what are the mechanics if we're using that Bible verse? What would it do you like, I see what you're saying. I, 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 I see. I, I completely see. And that's where CEO and I are, are having a disagreement. But, so your question would need to go to him for that. Okay. But I'm not really but, disagreeing I, 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 with you, Nate. I'm just pointing. I'm just saying that it's more identifiable in certain situations. That's all. But I don't. I yeah. don't disagree. Oh, wait, with you would say that. So if you both get a soul tie, but yes, one technically I, I, both are soul ties. Yes, under this understanding, oh. yes. So then, one you're convicted about, and one you're not. Yes. Okay. I, Convic- convicted is a weird it, word. Well, when I think, okay, aware, like one, you're aware of the need for repentance. That's how I'm using the word conviction. You're aware of your um, neediness, your exaggerated connection. And that's that's different. Because, oh my God. Okay. I really enjoy Calvinist uh, Calvinist stuff. Like Calvinist stuff is okay. So, like, you, like, see what CEO is saying needs to be a different category. Like, what we're like, we're talking more about the same page, Steph. If you slept with someone who's not your wife, soul tied, done. It doesn't matter how you feel about that person. You you have this thing called a soul tie, and whatever that means. Like usually, they're like, okay, well, it's more than just like lying. There's like there's like spiritual stuff that comes with it. It's more weighty because you've sinned against your own body, just like the Bible talks about sexual sin. So the, their prescription, like they're not going to say you're not a Christian or anything like that. They're just going to say, you know, this we believe you can have more freedom. You can like have a breath of fresh air, like you can be more aware of your abundant life in Christ if you you really focus and deal with this. So instead of just like a simple prayer, like oh Lord, forgive me for all this stuff, hooking up with all these people, um, it's more like I, I acknowledge this. I am really focusing. I am acutely aware that this was bad, and you know, like I, I renounce this stuff. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like any sort of attachment there is, like you know. Get get rid of this. I don't want anything to do with it. I commit to following you in all areas of my life, including this one. Thank you, Lord. Like, it's not nearly, I don't know. It is odd to someone who apparently has never heard the term, but I don't think it's as weird as where we're going with this. And So, like, that's, that's really the whole thing. It's like, you slept with someone that's not your wife, you got a soul tie. What does that mean? It just means it's, it's a weighty spiritual sin. sin. So... so- Focus on it, realize it, repent of it, ask God to, you know, like just get rid of, get rid of any idea of this. You don't want to do it again. You don't want to have this happen again um, and move on. 
to another area. Okay. I and for, so now and for clarity, I agree with Nate 100%. I just think there are times where you're more aware of your soul okay. tie. That's a I got it. Okay. So just, I would not, I think I would understand the concept of this if we weren't trying to back it up with scripture. If we said this is a cultural phenomenon, this is like the name for a description, like, you know, when, when it's like, uh, I don't know, all, any of these church, if we, if we relegated this to Christianese and said, this is like a churchy culture thing, I think I'd be more accepting. But the fact that we're trying to say that this is some biblical phenomenon that's where I cross into like, no, I don't know. No, I don't think so. Well, I don't know if I'd say Calvinist stuff is awesome. Calvinist stuff well, is my Well, I don't no know if I'd also agree with Calvinist stuff because I don't know if I'd say biblical phenomenon, but I'd say you, I mean, you can't not, I, I don't know, like to a point you can't not back it up with scripture. Um, it, it's what you do with that scripture. Because, you know, like Paul says, like, you know, sexual sin is worse because you're sinning against your own body that, you know, like the Holy Spirit lives in. So on one hand, you know, Paul does specifically call out sexual sin and, and put it in an elevated category. So to say, no, there's no biblical precedent, like sexual sin is exactly like all other sins. Well, I mean, that would dispute the Bible. But then to say, okay, we acknowledge that and then build some other doctrine that's like leaping beyond that, I could agree with Calvinist Steph. Um, but to say like there's no basis in scripture, I can't go that far because it, it clearly talks about sexual sin at an elevated level um, than other sin because you're sinning against your own body. I mean, the Bible does say that. No, okay, uh, but, but then, then if, then if they take that and... Sexual sin. Huh? The, like getting a getting a label of soul tie is like a weird... I don't know. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, that may be a leap. That may be another okay, leap. Yeah, Perhaps they could call thinking. it something else. Okay, there you go. There you go. So soul tie oh, that is only took an hour. Sexual sin, definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I agree with Calvinist stuff. I enjoy it. Except then, no instead, of, instead of like talking, except then, instead of talking, I mean, it's kind of like the Trinity, right? I mean, words to simplify things. So if, if they say, if we lead them through all these terms and someone's like, all right, we finally agree. Okay. We have like three pages of your ideas. Great. Um, so anytime someone wants to know what we're talking about, uh, so we don't have to wade through three pages of explain uh, explanation. Is there something we can call this? They're like, yeah, call it soulflies. It's like, oh, yep, <laughs> yeah, because so, I mean, categorization so <laughs> helps people remember things. Okay, yeah, but exactly. the difference it makes it more impactful. Soul tie. This is where my issue is. The difference between a soul tie and Trinitarian theology, right, is that Trinitarian theology is like explainable and you can cite verses and say, this is where we get this from. A soul tie is like, well, this one time Jesus said this, and now we just assume that this thing happens and we gave it a name. It's, it's like a totally different. Yeah, this is why I would specifically say this is not theological. This is churchies. This is like churchy American Christian culture. 100%. I'm with Calvinist. Well, I mean, I could say that. I mean, I could say that too. Like it would, it would def. I mean, I could say church ease, but I would say that church ease still does have some validity to it. How much validity? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think you guys would trust me to be pretty middle of the road and pretty fair, um, even though we, you certainly don't disagree with everything. Um, hopefully, you don't put me in the label of a cult. So, I mean, you know, in my experience, I would say, yeah, I, I you know, in typical Nate fashion, I split the difference. So I'm not going to say it's all completely crazy. I'm not going to say it's all 100% legit. I would say I see biblical principles and merit in this process. Um, would I, if I was like the chief soul tie architect, 
would I modify it and do things differently? Sure. Um, but do I think it's like, you know, false teaching or bad or something like that? Um, I won't go that far. So anyways, okay, one as much as you know me, that's my honest assessment. Okay, makes sense. One more thing, and then I, I'm, I think I've got the idea, and I'm off it. Baptized in the chat asks a good question. If we buy into the idea of soul tie, then what stops you from being, what stops a woman, for example, from being unwillingly soul tied to a rapist? Uh, nothing. And that oh. also, how do, I, how do I know this? So, so that would also be part of the process where it's like, look, like willingly, unwillingly, and, and that could get into like, a, I, I, I honestly don't know that much, but I'm, I'm just guessing that would deal with like, the unforgiveness and hate if there was any of that so like you know if someone does something to you if someone rapes you then you know there would be like uh, i i honestly don't know how they would speak to this whoever they is uh, they are but i can I, I can imagine it would be something like uh, this was still sexual sin it wasn't your will so you may not be guilty of this yet still there is some attachment that was forced upon you so maybe it's not like any anything in the sexual world but because of what happens sexually to you, you hate this person. And if you somehow don't, then great. Maybe, maybe this isn't you. Maybe move on to gambling addiction. But I mean, you know, probably there's going to come from feel some feelings of animus toward the rapist. So even though it may not be sexual in nature on your part, you didn't want it, you didn't initiate it, there's still something there. So instead of the sexual world, maybe it gets into because of the sexual or soul tie type issue, um, you really need to work through this because you're probably not going to be able to like, Oh, you know, this horrible, egregious thing was done with me. I forgive you. Let's go on. Do you really forgive them? Do you maybe need to think about that a little bit longer? Do you really need to realize the gravity of what was done to you and what it is that you're forgiving? Um, anyways, but, but I know it would go somewhere there. Exactly how right I've got it. I don't know. You'll have to call your local soul tie church. But I know it's going to be along those lines. So it's going to deal with like harboring hate, harboring resentment, and letting all that go. And it's inevitably going to get back to, you know, God's forgiven us. We have to forgive people. Uh, we can't be someone who harbors hate and unforgiveness. Can I just huh. be uncharitable, Chris, for like 10 seconds? No. Rape is bad, right? No, just, All right. I was going to say, is this sounds like some cuckoo voodoo to me. Oh. Yeah. Wait, okay, wait, wait. Yeah, I'm going to reject this doctrine whole, like, completely. Yeah, because honestly. there's other implications, right, Steph? So, like, if a husband right. cheats on his wife and she forgives him, but he still unwillingly has some kind of weird soul tie to this right. woman, what does it do to that wife? Like, it just seems like a yeah. very unchristian doctrine, and it seems like something that's just some some charismatic nutball came up with after twisting the scripture, and they're they're attempting to now backpedal from 40 years ago when they were teaching it like in a really horrendous way. And now they're just trying to back it up with human psychology. It right. sounds like something along those lines. And it also okay, so, for like how forgiveness works. So like, it, how would you, like if you have to undo a soul tie and that takes extra work on your part to be forgiven by Christ, like you've got a problem there, you know, the, yeah, I don't, I don't like Okay, it. wait, 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 hang on. Okay. I think hang on. Wait, had a question. Wait, wait, hang, hang on. I, I know. The rabbi, what is soul ties? Okay. Well, I, I can't, you're going to have to listen to the replay because I'm about to start kicking. Okay, wait, stop. I'm about to start like kicking my animals. Um, just kidding. Don't do that. But I, I can't explain it again because I have a tenuous grasp at best. But I will, I, I will just say, I know, like, I didn't expect the pushback from what, from the last two points you guys both said. So I, I know, uh, I would reject your rejections, 
because I know that I didn't do it justice. So even though I don't really have a dog in this fight, um, from what I know, um, I wouldn't say what either one of you said. So I, I would, re I, I know they would reject both of those last objections you had. Um, and since I don't really know or care about this um, any more than, you know, I, I already have experience knowing what this stuff is. Um, yeah, you'll have to find someone that believes that and like, you know, get like, I know there's curriculum out there. Like, I think there's like a workbook or something. There's a lot so, of people. I mean, do we have anyone in here besides Raul who, who holds to this? Me and, well, I don't even know if he holds to it. I mean, he, he was asking about it, but I mean, I mean, if CEO and me are your best resources, um, we are, we are not good resources. So if you want to know more, like, I mean, I can Google it for you. I mean, it's not, not hard, but I mean, I know there's like a workbook and it will like lead you through everything. So I just want to be fair to the soul tie people, um, wherever they are, because I know those last points, I didn't do it justice to, and I would hate to have a skewed, um, you know, skewed opinion. If you're like, that's unbiblical because of something I said, when I am just like, you know, don't really know what they would say. That's all. So yeah, that, that's my limit. Soul ties is some bad juju between people that hook up out of marriage. And, um, you know, well, so in a nutshell, that's it. That's all I know. I did Google it. Um, so there is no consensus. So for example, a place called wildatheart.org says that Galatians 614 Christ specifically mentions a soul tie, but it's not in a sexual nature. So in his, he says in Galatians 6.14, they have this quoted as, I have been crucified to them and they crucified to me. So by the cross, you say by the cross of Jesus Christ, I break every soul tie and every unholy bond. Like there, And then there's another one that says, so Got Questions has an article about it. Then there's another one that's like instructions on how to break a soul tie. Then there's another one that's like here are the Bible verses that say there's no consensus on what this is. Like uh, you know, it's hard to Google because I can't find an answer there. Post the post the gut questions. Like I, okay. I usually like those guys, even they're four point, even though they're four point. Well, I got no green beans. Um, you can post it in chat, Steph. Okay, I'll do that. The, like a pleb. Yeah, and so everything I'm finding on this topic from Amazon on the books on it, every one of the books that is that is on this particular topic is written by a raging heretic who's not even a Christian. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Okay. I had to search Soul Tie Bible because when I searched just Soul Tie, it came up with all this like Wicca and naturalism and like, you know, Vogue.com's article on how to break a soul tie using sage. Like I had to search specifically for mm -hmm. a Christian. Okay, I have one more idea. I have one more idea. Since, uh, you know, it was an Assemblies of God church, I don't know if this is Assemblies of God doctrine or if this was like an offshoot and it, it was something they wouldn't even agree to. But anyways, the best thing I have to search is see if you can find something about soul ties in like the Assemblies of God church or if that's like a, a freedom group they do or something. So I would say if there is a chance of you agreeing that this is biblical, the best chance you have of this being biblical would be something affiliated with like the Assemblies of God. And again, like that's just a church I heard. So maybe it was a heretic offshoot Assemblies of God church that no one knew about. But that's where I first heard about it like 10 years ago. So maybe the Assemblies of God would be like, no, it's totally unbiblical. One of our churches is doing that. We're going to send some people down there. So who knows? But that's that's where I found it. So if there's a chance of you agreeing that it's biblical, that's probably your best best source. Um, Can I, I could read the Got, the Got Questions article is very short. It's only four paragraphs. 
Um, yeah, but if that's going to focus on the sage, then that's not really not what we're talking about either. But yeah, go ahead. Sage is really powerful. Don't underestimate the power of sage. (laughs) Okay, yeah, well, you know. Okay, the phrase soul ties is not in the Bible. Rather, the idea of soul ties is a man-made speculation which some teachers superimpose into scripture in an attempt to explain certain human behaviors. Soul ties are said to be connections from one person's soul to or into another person's soul, but this concept has no basis in scripture. The Bible does speak of close friendships, such as that, as that of David and Jonathan, where it says in 1 Samuel, quote, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and David loved him as his own soul. This is simply a way of expressing Jonathan's total commitment to and deep friendship with David. Trying to make this passage teach a mythical binding act of the soul is unwarranted. The Bible also warns against entering ungodly relationships. Proverbs 1 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their path. This passage and others like it caution against the wrong types of friendships, but stop short of describing any sort of spiritual union of souls. We also have clear warning against fornication in scripture. 1 Corinthians says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. Note the body is joined. The Bible says nothing of the souls being joined. Here's the last part. The Bible presents evil as addictive. However, nowhere does the Bible speak of fragmented souls or dividing one soul. In short, the Bible gives us clear direction for our lives, and we know the remedy for sin is to confess it and forsake it. There's no, and then it cites two verses. There's no need to overly complex human theories such as soul time. Um, the only thing I'd say about that is I, I would think he has a, gosh, like, yeah, I would disagree. Like no one, no one is saying, I mean, at least I haven't heard anyone in that world saying like your soul is fragmented or you have 90% of a soul because 10% of it's like divided. Like when, whenever I've ever heard soul ties, like, um, it's never been that it's just like, you've got some unhealthy attachments that need to be addressed in prayer. Um, it's not like your soul is not complete or your soul is fragmented. Like, I just think he's, he's got a misperception about that. Okay. Um, but the rest of it, I think Steph is right. It's probably just church jargon for like these bad qualities or whatever it is. It's probably, I agree with you now that I sort of understand what it is. Yeah, it took me a full like twenty minutes to understand what the heck this. I asked a lot of questions, Abba. I didn't. I didn't get there quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think it was about an hour. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way. I think it's it's an interesting language and strategy to make people feel bad about their personality traits or qualities about them that they want to like improve, right? Hopefully, want to improve. It's a good. It's good guilt language. Uh. Gosh, I don't know how I'm the soul tie soul tie defender today, um, but I mean I'm, I'm just trying to be fair. Like I again, in my experience, I'm sure there's people out there that have done it the way you say. But I mean, you know, all, all the times I've I've heard it, that's not the thing. It's it's just like, I, I mean, the end result, everyone who's a Christian would agree with. Acknowledge your sin, repent before God, pray for forgiveness, move on. That's the end result. So it's like it's just like a more intense acknowledgement um, and experience and exploration of this stuff. But the end result is repent, go and sin no more. Yeah, and, and I get that. And I think I could accept it as a label of a, you know, an emotional phenomenon, not as biblical doctrine. So I wish that I could, I wish that there was someone in here who held to this, who I could like examine how it all fits together. But, but for that. See, also, some of it, it's not like just emotional. 
because there may be no no attachment. Like what CEO says is completely valid. Uh, there could be an emotional attachment, but there's also it's like you know if you've if, if you've like quote got ten soul ties because you've hooked up with like ten people, there may be no emotional attachment. There may be no realization of this. It's like I'm a healthy God fearing Christian, and you know I've I've like you know hooked up with these people. It was a sinful. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Um, so it, it's just like they would still say, well, you know, that's a that's a, a soul tie, I guess. So even though you don't, there's no reaction one way or another. It's completely like, no, I don't feel anything for this person. I don't have trouble sleeping at night. Um, anything like that. Well, it's yeah. like, but so, still, they would call. They would say you have sinned against your body. It's a soul. It's a soul tie, or, or whatever they do. So it's not just any physiological or emotional reaction. It could be just because you have done this. Therefore, we believe there's some like soul tie. Pray and move on. Well, see, Nate, that's where I started to have the problem. I was actually doing better with the way. So that's where it starts smelling witchy because CEO said that he didn't have any connection with his ex-girlfriend. He's on the phone. I don't mean to talk behind him, but this is what he said, right? He said he didn't really have any emotional connection to her, but he had to burn the photograph before he felt free of her. Like there was a ritual. He burned the photograph. He repented of the sin and then he got the cathartic release, right? That's the part that I think is so far from a biblical description of, I, I don't know, that that's where it gets into witchy territory. For I mean, have you, you've only dated two people, but I mean, wouldn't you feel some sort of non-satanic, non-witchy cathartic release if you had an ex-boyfriend that was a jerk and you like, you're like, I never want to see you again. You're like, oh, I'm just so mad. Absolutely. Oh, I'm just so mad. What can I do? What can I do? And you yeah. set all the CDs and pictures on fire and you're like, ah, oh, now I feel better. I'm not oh, going to figure out that. I that. like... I threw the stuff in his face, right? That, so that kind of thing is like a wonderful, yes. So that's- right, You're not a witch. At least yeah, okay, and I'm not a witch. What I didn't do is say, okay, well, now that I threw the sweatshirt back at him in his face and screamed at him, now I've broken a soul tie because the Bible says that I had to do that to be free. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's certain elements of this that seem strictly psychological. When CEO burned the picture, that was his closure, that was his saying, this, I, I no longer own this photograph and I'm watching it burn. And this is a physical manifestation of the end of me caring about the, carrying this around and caring about it, right? That is a psychological phenomenon. When you put that into now I have done something to break a soul tie the way the Bible describes it, now you have an issue. Like throwing the sweatshirt in the face or burning the photograph is not a ritual to break a spiritual bond. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I, I wouldn't connect I things. Yeah. I see what you're saying, and just in the interest of fairness, I don't think they – I mean, you may say it's a ritual even if you're like, no, it's totally not a ritual. So I don't know enough to, uh, to know. Like I'm sure they would say it's not a ritual, and the Bible doesn't command you to do this or you're not going to be free. Um, but I would say you, you, – I mean at that point, you just have to go find them. Maybe we should all seek them out. Maybe we should all go find them together. Like find someone who teaches the closest thing to biblical that we think this could be, and then – talk to them about it and find out. Okay. So I did a little more research, Nate, and the main proponent of this is a guy named Neil T. Anderson. Do you know who Neil T. Anderson is? Of course not. Okay. So Neil T. Anderson is a big NAR guy who teaches all kinds of nonsense about spiritual warfare. And this goes right into all of his other spiritual warfare nonsense that he literally has admitted to making up and laughs about it. So it's definitely a false teaching made up by a guy who thinks you're really foolish for believing it. Okay, great. But okay. So how much does he, 
how much does he have to do with it? Because he obviously wouldn't have anything to do with the actual like Wiccan soul tie version. So it can't be he's the originator of soul ties. Where do you think he got it? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. You said you yeah, know. He got it stuff. from he got it from like the witchcraft stuff because he studies witchcraft more. Than Wait, so he didn't possible. invent it, or he or he he, well, he got invented it, from it other in people. the Christian milieu. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so all of this stuff traces back to him. Is that correct? In ten minutes of research, I mean, I was, I was, yeah, in my ten minutes of research, yes, that seems like it is the case. Because okay, a lot okay. of doctrines, a lot of doctrines that are quote unquote spiritual warfare doctrines that charismatics teach go back to Neil T. Anderson. Almost okay. in fact, almost all of them. Okay. So maybe more research for anyone that cares would be warranted. Um, I guess I will you know, pretty much, I don't know if I need to adjust anything I said, I, I'll pretty much stick to my guns and be like, look, I think, you know, sexual sin is bad. Like it's an elevated, like, cause you're sinning against your own body. I'm just rethinking what I said. Um, it's not necessarily woo woo. Um, your soul's not fragmented. You don't have to do rituals. Um, you know, you acknowledge your sin. It is intense. It's a little more than just willy nilly. Yeah, I done, I've been a very better, bad person. It's like, yeah, this is bad, which goes into what you agreed with, with proper discipleship. And, uh, yeah, repenting, resolving to, you know, not do these things again and moving on. So, and yeah, I also, you know, would fall heavily on the natural stuff. Like for CEO's point, if there is like deep physical or emotional attachment or something, um, I'm, I'm not inclined to say that's a spiritual thing more than just like, you know, biochemical reactions and, you know, like natural biochemistry and stuff like that. Um, I think that is the, the phenomenon that would make someone feel that way. Um, so I think I'm pretty good with what I said. See, Chris, that's the benefit to hedging and everything you say. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're always right. No, I mean, I, look, I appreciate that. I mean, it, and again, I don't think most people, and certainly, and CEOs on the phone, but, you know, I don't think whatever retreat he went to, like the people there realize the history of this. I think that like a lot of doctrines like this, they get bandied about and watered down and changed and nobody really knows where it came from. And they're just like, Oh yeah, you're totally, you know, that's totally what I think, you know, and it's really just, you know, warmed over from something they may have heard offhandedly in childhood, you know, and then start repeating as another doctrine. I don't think that people are studying Neil T. Anderson and his rewarming of witchcraft and, you know, baptizing it, making it Christian, you know, like I don't think they're doing that. So I'm not going to assign bad motives to people. But at the same time, I'm just going to say that this, the idea that you can have some kind of a, a tie to someone else that is spiritual that you don't mean to happen is, you know, I, I don't think that's biblical. That you don't mean to happen. What does that mean? If you mean for it to happen? <laughs> well, you know, like I have a tie with my wife. Like we're, we're in a covenant. <laughs> that's different. It's more superstitions than anything else. <laughs> Uh, Joanna, what are you saying in chat? People, photos, how do I deal with it as a Christian? What do you uh, what do you mean, Joanna? And if you have a better signal, jump up on stage and, and talk to us. But if you could clarify that question. Uh, D, I don't think you've said anything. What's up, D? Are you speaking? Would you like to say anything? He's on the phone. Oh, doesn't tell me that. <laughs> Good morning. Walter, do you have anything to say? 
Well, I was just saying it's more built on superstitions than anything else. I mean, my my uh, my father-in-law, my father, they grew up in the old country, Portuguese, and you know they had all kinds of superstitions. It's not even funny sometimes, and you know that goes to you know uh, I don't know they they you know at that time they didn't you know only the priests would knew the Bible, so they would come up with their own their own garbage. And, you know sometimes you're talking to them and that that's not true. Well, don't leave the scissors open. Uh, put that there. Uh, don't do this. Uh, don't do that. And it's like, really? Like, where do you get this stuff from? And then, you know, when you tell them it's fake, they freak out. What can you do? Yeah. You guys want to see everybody really mad at me? I'll do a room on spiritual warfare one day. I'll have everyone against me. It's all gnar nonsense. I mean, did I just, did I just summarize Everything you'll say. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, Michael, what's up? Good morning. Hey, hey. I wouldn't be against you, Chris. Because um, spiritual warfare is not a real thing. Well, you got well, Michael I, on your side. Yeah, no, I, I think spiritual warfare is a real thing. But I think that the way that people practice it is not a real thing. And I think that... Uh, you know, there is real actual spiritual warfare that gets neglected because people are doing something opposite and different of what the scripture teaches. I understand your perspective. Uh, I mean, you know, it would have to. It's, it's like I feel like I'm talking to Nate here. It's like, yeah, if everything you believe is true, then yeah, it's totally a thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, I mean in, I, you know, the... you'd have to accept that there's a spirit first. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, like, in the in the um, well, in, in most traditions before charismania, um, spiritual warfare was simply you tell the truth. That's that's spiritual warfare. It's a, it's it's truth versus lies. It's it's funny you say that. My my mom used to say, you know, like you know, when you're a kid, you know, you you do something wrong, and you know, <laughs> did you do this? No, even though you totally did it, right? Um, my my mom would always say, you know. Uh, the, the saying she would always use is um, tell the truth and shame the devil uh, she, all the time. That's what she said all the time. It's like, tell the truth and shame the devil. Not bad advice. Hey, Gavin. Hi. Peace How are you? Evan, well, do you yeah. believe in soul ties? Um, yeah. the day, we tried to not, not, not in the way um, the, the wokeness people believe in them, no. Well, I'm interested. The, the um, who now? Yeah. The oneness, you said? No, woke, wokeness, W-O-K-E. Yeah, woke people. Mm -hmm. How, do Wait, wokeness, how does wokeness go with soul ties? Now I'm really interested. No, Steph he's referring to like no the secular, like, witchy, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's all made up nonsense, too. I wanted to make a, I wanted to make a quick comment on spiritual warfare. Was someone talking about spiritual warfare or supernatural warfare, something like this? Yes. Um, uh, I've got a, a few papers at home from psychiatrists who've been in the field for 
20, 30 plus years, and they write about what they call supernatural evil, particularly to do with people who are suffering mental mental illnesses, severe mental illnesses. And one of the chaps, a Dr. Richard Gallagher, was writing up a checklist that he thought all psychiatrists should use to determine if somebody was actually mentally unwell or they were possessed by a third party. And it was really interesting. I mean, these guys are professionals, so they're not going to fall for any woo stuff. Um, so, yeah, supernatural evil is a thing. And because it's a thing, it's a pretty good uh, pointer towards the God of our Bible. Gavin, how long ago was this, uh, this, this stuff written? Last year. Last year. Interesting. Can you, uh, can you link it or uh, my emails in my bio? Can you, can you send that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I can link it. Yeah. I'd be very curious to see a registered psychiatrist that says he believes in. I'll bet you would. I'll bet you would. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Uh, Joanna, you say twin flames in chat. I, I don't know what that means. David and Jonathan. She, she was saying that when oh. I... Yeah. That's not a thing. No, she was saying that David and Jonathan are better referred to as twin flames than as soul tied. That was the context she said that in. Oh, I was taking flame in a different sense. <laughs> see what happens when everybody communicates it's awesome especially me i'm real bad at being unclear or wait i'm really good at being unclear whichever whichever one that was pretty unclear yeah right you like that yeah you're saying that was they were not their eternal flame I have a question for Christians. I asked. Uh, an answer. Are you? <laughs> what? Oh, okay. What should What's I? What's our no. Okay. Baptism, right? And children. So I asked um, a couple people I was in a room with the other day who I trust, and I got some good opinions. But I'm wondering what you guys think. Um, my daughter is interested in being baptized, uh, which I very much want to encourage. And maybe we could even get baptized together. It'd be great. Anyway, she's eight and I'm trying to actually, okay. The question that I initially asked the other folks was about communion. So it's kind of both go together though. So she's interested in getting baptized and at our family reunion, she, that was the last opportunity we had to take communion with a group. She wanted to take communion. And so I let her because her cousins were taking communion, but they're a little bit older. So I didn't want her to feel left out, but I thought, you know, at what point do we allow our children to take communion and be baptized? I mean, mine got baptized at eight and the other and one was eight and one was 10. And I mean, you know, a fair bit of using your adult brain and like, do you believe in Jesus? Do you want to burn in hell? Do you want to go to heaven? Oh, no, yes, no. Or, you know, whatever the right ones to go to heaven, avoid hell. Um, it's like, oh, well, you need to get baptized. And do you want to do that? Who's going to say no? Um, so, I mean, I would I would question 
the validity of that. And I would say, you know, don't threaten your kids with hell um, for just for hell's sake. Um, but no, it's like, you know, my kids, like, you know, they, they've gone to church, like they understood, like we've talked to them. We explained what we believe and why we believe it. And, you know, only God knows the heart, their little eight-year-old heart. But, you know, as far as I can determine, I'm like, yes, she knows what we believe. You know, she is exercising faith. Cover your ears, Michael. But, you know, it's like, well, she's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, da 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 So I'm like, okay, well, you know, would you like to get baptized? Um, she's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I want this. And, um, yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're saying the right things. And, you know, I'm trying to parse out if you're saying how much, like, you know, you're saying the right things because you think I want to hear them versus, you know, I'll try to, like, lead you off the right things just a little bit to, um, you know, to, to mitigate for that. So if you tell me what you think I want to hear because I'm leading you, uh, then I'm going to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't think she understands this enough. And, you know, she she doesn't really know what she's doing. She's doing this for my benefit. Uh, but then whenever she walks me back in what I said um, and she's like, but wait, isn't it because of this? I'm like, oh, yes, you're right. You do have an understanding. And it's not just for what I want to hear because you just challenged me. So I'm like, OK, well, yeah, I, I feel like you have a grasp on this. You understand this as as well as you say you do. So, yeah, I think it's appropriate you get baptized. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's doing my due diligence as a parent and a Christian, trying to be responsible and a good steward um, of my child. So, yeah, I felt confident and comfortable in, you know, her being baptized. Uh, communion, she hasn't had communion yet because that just hasn't come up. Like, you know, they do, like, in church, like, they go to their children's area and I, they don't, I don't, they don't do communion, um, I, don't, I don't think, in children's church. Um, but, I mean, if it did come up, I mean, yeah, it's the same answer. Like, the same answer that you would do for communion is the same one for baptism. It's like you believe the same stuff. It's like, you know, you acknowledge the Lord's death until he comes. This Do this in remembrance of him. So if they've got it's, it would be like the same Q&A for communion as baptism. That's my answer. So this is a really good question. So. Thank you. So my daughter at this point will know, and Samuel has a question about neurodivergent children, which is good because, oh, Samuel, I thought I had connected to you already. I realized that I did on fan base, but not here. Sorry, man. Um, okay. So the, uh, he has a question about neurodivergent children, which is good because I have uh, a child who's eight, who's typical, and a child who's five, who's got something very like autism. So I guess with my eight, the five-year-old is too young either way. So, but eventually he'll come to this point. With the eight-year-old, she understands that Jesus died and she understands that Jesus died to save us from our sins but I don't know how deep that understanding goes. She knows that she sins. Like she will ask for forgiveness, like in prayer, we pray together a lot. So she, she's got the boxes checked, but if I were to, like, I don't feel that the understanding is quite deep enough to get what baptism is doing. So with either a typical or a neurodivergent child, does the, does the person fully need to understand what the baptism is doing? Like, isn't that a big part of the equation? Yeah. So let me channel Chris. Let me channel Chris real fast, Chris. That was a good question. I want to back up and say, yeah, it depends on the understanding of baptism. If they're understanding a certain type of baptism, like you're washing away your sins, you're being saved, you're being imparted into the kingdom of God, I'd say we just have a very different understanding understanding of baptism. If they understand baptism as you believe Jesus died for your sins, he forgives you, you ask him to forgive you and you don't want to sin, you want to follow Jesus, and you getting baptized is symbolic 
acknowledging that, then that's a very minimal understanding needed because it is a symbolism. Jesus says, be baptized. So if you believe that Jesus forgives you, Jesus died for you, you want to follow Jesus. All you need to know is that is a symbolism. That's what baptism is. It's letting everyone know that's what you believe and that's what you want to do. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, all I was going to say is like, so, so Steph, my, my son got baptized at seven. Um, and they at my church have baptism classes before you get baptized. So they catechize the children and they try to make sure they understand what it means. You could do something really similar. And actually, one of my pastors just wrote a really good baptism journal um, that is something like an exercise that you go through before you get baptized. And I, do I have your email? I think I have your email. I, I got your stuff. I, I got I got a way of getting hold of you, but I will send you just the the PDF of that document that he just finished writing and did for our baptisms, and you can kidify it, you know, like make it a little more simple, and just ask her those questions because that's going to be a way in which you're going to know, does this child actually know the gospel or do I need to continue to pour into her? Um, and, and the other question I would ask you is like, you know, do you, do you feel like that the child has actually repented and believed like in a real Christian Luke 18 sense? Like they, like, you know, that would be the main thing. It's like, did they, at some point, did they truly repent and believe? And understand, you know, that they themselves are a sinner, not just you know, like everybody else. So, I mean, those would be the questions I would ask. And some eight-year-olds, I would imagine that your typical eight-year-old is extremely bright. And so, you know, they, they may get all of this stuff right off. Um, in terms of neurodivergent kids, I think that God is full of grace. And I think that, that the gospel is so simple that anyone can understand it. And you don't have to have a lot of theological distinctives to really have a grasp of the gospel and know that you need to believe. So I think that neurodivergent children, um, autistic or Down syndrome or anything like that, can absolutely repent and believe and know that the gospel is true. And there's also no, like, you know, call for expediency. I mean, you know, you can you can take your time. I mean be sure. Why not? It's not like there's a time limit on it. Um, I mean, I was 12 when I got baptized. Well, see the take your time advice has not worked out well for me. Cause right. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, let's not be extreme, but like, you know, but the point being this, I think like, you know, your child better than anybody else. So, you know, you're going to have to make a judgment call as to whether or not you truly believe that that child has become a true Christian, you know, I would imagine that is the case, but like you would just have to gauge that. And then, and then if they have, then there's no sweat with baptism because it's just, you know, it's an acknowledgement of something that's already been done. Whereas if, if you're not super sure whether or not she truly understands the gospel, then maybe take a step back and then continue to catechize her. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, when when they're this young, like if she was 14 and I talked to her about it and she's like, I'm ready to be baptized, it would be like, okay. But then when they're when they're eight or, you know, this is like the age where she's getting a grasp. She's understanding it. She's answering questions correctly, like Nate said, but I'm not sure how, how deeply, it, how deep it goes. So then if she's baptized at eight 
And then her understanding is much more full at 14. Is she going to feel the need to do it again? I guess there's, I guess there's no harm in that either, you know, but at the same time, uh, then with the, you know, with my son, with kids who are developing, you know, at a different pace, it's sort of like, well, then it becomes how much are they like, I might hold a different criteria for him. So you know, I have a cousin with Down syndrome who was baptized at 12 and it was very much like he was super ready. Like he understood the gospel. He had, he had a passion. Like there was no question when Adam got baptized that it was time for Adam to get baptized. So I assume it's highly individual, but my question was more like, yeah, is like, when, when do they, like, what are the criteria for understanding um, whether they're typical or not when they're children? So yeah, I guess that I definitely have some good ideas there. Yeah, I mean, at this point, my bigger concern would just be, like, one of your kids needs to grab you and throw you in the water. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a, a, a two-for-one kind of thing, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting. I think, Steph, I really respect you waiting. Like, I've, I, I remember I had this conversation with my father-in-law, who's a staunch Catholic, and he went to his granddaughter's baptism when she was, like, you know, four months old. And, you know, I, I may have mentioned this before. I'm, I joked about it. I'm like, well, you know, are you, are you uh, you know, because he's he's a staunch NDP. Um, so that's, a, that's like a far, far, far left political party in Canada. And I said, I said, so are you getting her, you know, like on, on the, the membership roles of the NDP at the same time as her baptism? And he looked at me like, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, she knows as much, much about politics. She's just about religion. Well, why are you doing this to her now? Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, but I, I, I think that, uh, you know, waiting until the kid's a little bit older, and, and, and I think it's all about understanding, right? You sit down, you know, like my, my daughter at, at eight or nine years old would have been, you know, really sharp enough. Me? No. Like, when I was eight years old, I was an idiot. I was, you know, running around and, you know, jumping off of, you know, things that I should not have been jumping off of. So I, I think it all depends on, I think it all depends on, on, the, uh, on the understanding of the child for sure. Well, and to answer you, Michael, Catholics do that because they believe the act is salvific. So it, they don't, they're not as interested in understanding. They are saying, we got to check this box. Like if, uh, like in my, my best friend works in a Catholic hospital and um, for people of the, for women who are delivering, who are of the Catholic faith, if there's something wrong with the baby, they're offered a baptism immediately in the room. Uh, so that's something that they'll do if they're like before they take the baby to the NICU or in the NICU, they'll actually perform. They'll have the priest come and perform the baptism just in case the baby loses their life. So sort of a different, yeah, different thing there. That's why they. Uh, hey, uniquely, what's up? You've been up here for a bit. Did you have anything to say or ask? Um, well, the topic's changed a couple of times. The reason why I came up is because. You guys are talking about soul ties. I do believe in that. Oh, goody. And um, and first, I, I I like to find um, the truth in, in the scripture. So I did um, find in 1 Samuel 18, 1, if someone would like to read that. I'm reading it from the NASB 95. I, I'd rather someone read it out loud. This way... Uh, Everyone can hear it. Is anyone able to look that up? Okay, heretics, fine, I will. What was the, um, what was it? First Samuel 18, 1. First Samuel. 
Let's see, NASB 95. Fine choice, fine choice. All right, first Samuel 18. Oh, yeah, this has been addressed. But um, now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Uh, yeah, it must have been before you got in here, but this uh, that was addressed. Yeah, so... Steph, you want to recap? Or Yeah, go ahead. And you... No, go ahead. Uh, Steph. All right, yes. Um, so the gotquestions.org said that that was not an example of a soul tie the way that it's used today. Um, they said specifically that that was, uh, what did they say about it? Uh, it said souls weren't fragmented, which I think they just, they, they missed the mark on that. Like they were saying something that the soul tie people don't say. Yeah, no it one said thinks that souls later. are fragmented. It said that you can't use the verses about becoming one flesh because that's referring to the flesh and not the spirit. And then I forget what it said specifically about David and Jonathan, that it wasn't referring to a specific soul tie, um, that it was saying that it was a, oh, they said that it was a literary device used to just like describe the friendship. It wasn't explaining a physical phenomenon that had happened. So that's what, that was the explanation we were getting. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but, you know, I know that uh, the Bible tells us also not to, you know, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, so not to defile the body, because, it, you know, sexual imm immorality will corrupt the spirit, you know, not, it, it doesn't only corrupt the, the flesh, because this is the thing, me personally, from my own testimony, have been sold tied to nar a narcissist. And from my own personal study about what I was dealing with, you know, I, I came across studies that said uh, that basically if, if we're talking about biblical um, biblical understanding, they, it's like they, they just drain you of your, of your light. And, you know, if you notice, they, they become very energized and you know, they get filled with, with all this light in them all of a sudden, and you feel like completely drained, you know, it causes oppression and, and it, it's just, it's just very bad. Not only that, but, uh, you know, when Jesus cast out all these demons from these, uh, different individuals, you know, that was affecting them, their mind, their, their will, their emotions, you know. <clears throat> so it, it it's something that goes very deep, but uh, it, it to, I do believe in it. It does happen, and as far as uh the the baptism is concerned, I'm a former Catholic, and you know I have baptized my my children when they were babies because uh, I was told by the priests in the church that the reason for it is. So that if they were to die, Satan can't steal their souls. Like that's the reason I was given. So that you know, they put this fear of Satan stealing your your baby souls. You know, 
So you need to, to get them baptized in order to protect their souls. But yes. I, I do agree with you guys that you, you should wait. Now that I know better, you should wait until your children are old enough to to be able to understand, you know, before uh, what the baptism is for. So I think I'm going to take a Steph approach on this and say at least, you know, the way you talked about soul ties. I, I Gosh, I, I want to be fair to this, but it, it, I mean, it is harder but i mean you know like the secular world or like you know other spiritists or other like people in like magic spelled with a k at the end <laughs> um you know they would say that's like a reiki vampire right and i would say there may be some people in the soul tie world who would say that's a soul tie but not not quite exactly because you know it, it would just be like you know around people that suck the energy out of the room when you're in there and like you know that's that's pleasing for them like they like that I, I wouldn't say that's, I mean, it could be equated to like one of these people saying it's a soul tie, but that's not the end all be all. That could, that could just be like, you know, a narcissistic person or like an aura vampire or whatever, like, you know, other people call it, um, which is true that they just have a talent for sucking the life out of the room and like sucking your joy away. But I, I wouldn't necessarily call that a soul tie, or at least I wouldn't say that's the full extent of what people mean by soul tie. Um how they do stuff to channel you well. Um, I I don't know if there's another term for it, but I do know that, you know, um, from my own personal experience and experience of millions who have been um, severely oppressed by these individuals who are demonically possessed and the only way to be set free from that uh, extreme oppression and submission to another human being is through Jesus. Jesus is the only way to be set free from that. And that's how I was, be I was able to be set free. hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, or I, I don't know if Jesus is the only way, but he's certainly the best way, right? Like getting the best way, in my opinion, the most effective, the most whole and complete way to be healed from abuse is via a relationship with Christ and faith and, uh, recovering with, with the Bible in one hand and a good therapist in the other, <laughs> you know, like this is, this is the best way to do this. I think that I'm going to push back on the idea of the soul tie though, because it adds a mechanical element that's just not there. I don't think. Um, so if you're describing like the phenomenon of feeling overly affected by this person um, in a way that you weren't maybe by other people in your life or, or it's like this person is particularly affected, you know, uh, impactful on my life. I think that it can be a label for that, but I, I'm still going to stop shy of describing a soul tie as a physical mechanism that actually happens to somebody. Goodness, Steph, what has Calvinist Chris done to all of us? Nobody's Calvinist. This is just logical. It's very Calvinistic. 
No, if we were going to go into Calvinism, we would say that like you were, you know, God utilizes soul ties and he is ordained that they would exist before the kind of creation. So ordained by God and, and, you know, something along there that it's used for good and Anyway, uniquely, does that make sense? Like, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to have a conversation about a soul tie where, like, if somebody is able to defend it as, like, an actual mechanic that occurs, I would be interested in hearing it. But from what I understand from knowing what this was for exactly 90 minutes, I just am going to reject it as a as a, an actual physical thing that occurs. Like, in baptism, I believe that there's a change, you know, in uh, in salvation, there's a change I'm not going to say that a similar change occurs in some, in a soul type. Like, I don't, I don't know that that's a measurable, markable mechanic. And I mean, my problem is you know, defining terms. Like since we barely even, we're, we're really out of our depth, all of us, <laughs> um, what we're talking about. Cause this is not like, you know, a, a doctrine or a thing that we, we hold like near and dear in a way that we can like, you know, teach others or educate others or even really know the ins and outs of, of what this fully means to everyone. And the fact that we, we, we can't adequately de define terms. Like if soul tie means something like we've heard, like soul tie means like five different things to five different people. Um, so the, like, I want to be fair to, I mean, you know, I want to be fair to everything. I want to be accurate. So even if something, if I disagree with, I want to be accurate and disagree with it for accuracy, not out of ignorance. So um, that's my problem is, is having, a cohesive term because like you said, it, someone made you feel oppressed. And I, I would say, well, for me, it means, you know, what I spent 90 minutes trying to explain and then what CEO said. So like in, in just three people, everyone has got a different idea of what we mean by soul tie. So to pronounce judgment on the entire thing and say everything, there's no validity outright for all of it. Um, when there could very well be someone out there that's like, Oh, this is what I mean. And we're all just like shaking our heads like, oh, my gosh, that's so biblical. That's so correct. Um, anyway. <laughs> Welcome back, Abba. I can't believe you're still talking about soul ties. No, no, we got we off just for a long again. time and then it just started. <laughs> We were talking about baptism for a little while. Now we're talking about soul ties again. I just got out of my At Uber. At least baptism, so. baptism is a little bit juicier. Ha, ha, ha. Although you were getting some really great questions about circumcision this morning, weren't you, Rabbi? I mean, they were pretty oh, good. Fun. I just, and then Rich came in the room and Rich is such a rich. And I just can't with that guy. Rich, who? So soul ties or circumcision? What's what's it going to be? I'm only an expert in one of those. I did not circumcise my son. I'll air his uh, his secrets. That's okay. He's not Jewish. It's okay. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. I had I actually studied about this, and Paul said specifically that if you are not a Jew, it's mutilation. And I thought, oh, okay, I better not. And we did. There you go. 
No, everyone agrees on that. Okay, cool. No pushback. What's no, I, I don't agree. It's mutilation. I agree if you're if you're if you're doing it for like religious reasons or a covenant with God or something like that, it's unnecessary. If you're doing it because I don't know, culture, hygiene, like whatever the reason is, non-spiritual, sure, go for it. It's not mutilation. Well, that was easy. You know, you all missed the uh, Christian kink BDSM day yesterday. What? Just, just gonna throw that out there. It got pretty spicy. I don't know if I want to know. Well, it's on replay. People had some questions about, like, you know, what what should Christian marital uh, sexuality look like? So we explored that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun. Fun. Big fun. I remember in premarital counseling asking very, very sheepishly and fearfully if my pastor thought birth control was okay. So that's the generation oh. I'm from. How'd that go? And what did he yeah, say? he said totally fine. We're not cat. He was like, yeah, that's that's totally fine. I was just curious what he thought about it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's not an issue. Let's see. Steph, you'd make a good atheist with that approach to soul ties. Says random in chat. Yes, I responded. Oh. See, I don't think my view is an atheist or Calvinist approach. It's just like that's that's not in scripture. I am going to hesitate pretty strongly on adopting it as a capital T truth. I don't, I don't see any, I don't know. I mean, when we talk about sexual sin, right, we have a word for that. We say adulterers and, and uh, what's the other phrase they'll use like sexual. Um, what is it when he says adulterers and what's the other phrase? Like fornication. Yeah. There you go. So like we have, we already have words for, sexual sin because it's its own thing as we discussed i so we don't need another word for that and then describing a mechanic that happens to you after sexual sin that's not mentioned anywhere i don't know i'm just not gonna yeah and then when i was googling i'm seeing like methods of breaking a sexual or methods of breaking a soul tie using specific bible verses and saying specific phrases that's just no i'm, I'm just gonna reject the whole thing get good therapy Literal witchcraft, right? Stuff. Yeah, that's that's what it <laughs> takes. One to no one, Chris Manwich. Yes, I know Manwich. It's not a sandwich; I mean, it's a manwich. And I mean, you know, I can I can do like perhaps like a little t, truth, or, or like a half t without the cross, truth. Oh boy, birth control is an interesting topic theologically. We could do that one. Um. Why is it interesting? I mean, well, that's what I'm. Hoping. I mean, that's going to be, a, yeah, that's going to be a quick one. Like I saw a meme because I get most of my news from memes, <laughs> and it was had like it, so like this is what birth control looks like to a, a Catholic person, and I mean, how do we talk about this stuff and not be graphic? But it had it had a picture of a condom, 
and where you would imagine all the little sperm swimming around, it had faces on them, like little baby faces. And it was basically saying like, <laughs> and, and it was saying like, you know, all these, all these kids, all these souls are being lost because, you know, mommy, uh, you know, mommy and would be mommy and daddy use birth control. And it was saying how that's a very bad thing, yeah, but yeah. I don't see it that way. Yeah, so, I mean, if you see it that way, then theological problems, I guess, if you don't see it that way, cause it's not that way, then, you know, no big deal. So for us, there has been the issue of before, you know, before fertilization and after. Okay. So certain methods of birth control would interrupt the implantation process. So what that means is you have a fertilized egg and then it, ha it can't implant. And so then the egg passes, right? And so in theory, at most that could happen once a month, right? So I avoid using birth controls that have that method. Something like the copper IUD would allow fertilization but not implantation, so I wouldn't use that. Um, something like Plan B, where, again, allows fertilization but prevents implantation. I'm not going to do that either. A hormonal birth control that pr prevents actual ovulation so there is no fertilization, that's going to be kosher. That's cool. That's fine. So there you go. That's my answer on that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here to explain that. Papa. -ba. Yeah, Chris and I would have handled that like cavemen. Like seriously. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, copper IUD bad, hormonal IUD good. There you go. I don't see. Now I understand. It's got to break it down like I'm three. <laughs> Chris, what are you getting at the uh, auto shop? Uh, I took my wife's car in. Her air conditioning is intermittently not blowing cold. And so I'm sure it's going to cost Florida. me. Yeah, it's going to cost me probably 2000 bucks. Oh, great. goodness. BMW, man. Get a repair. Any repair on a BMW is not going to be less than $2,000. There's Bro, just get not. A Civic. There's no, no repair on a BMW that's less than 2000 and that's why I bought a Toyota. Yeah, that's why I don't have a BMW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, straight off. But same thing for Mercedes. Yeah. Or also, not an Audi. issue. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, you know, you know I, it's like, I drive a lot. And so when I bought these BMWs is because I was in the car six hours a day and I was tired of being angry. Like I was more angry than <laughs> when you guys met me. And uh, that just, it wasn't going to, wasn't going to hold. And so spend a little extra money, drop the blood pressure by 20 points. Listen, my Toyota well has leather, heated and cooled seats, a panoramic sunroof, memory chairs, like it is it is the most luxurious. Uh, one of my coworkers drives an Audi, and I prefer my Highlander. So, for the record, you can drop your blood pressure without the two thousand dollar price tag. Sure. I mean, well, like, okay. So I paid thirty G's for one of my BMWs. I paid eight for the other. Oh snap! I paid oh. Way more than that for my Toyota. So there you go. So if ah. I have a two thousand dollar repair once in a while, I'm still coming out ahead. All right. Yeah. Good point. You know, I had an Audi one time when I, I was a teenager, but it was like, I mean, it was used, so it was cheap. I mean, it was like six grand, I think. And 
it was the biggest piece of trash. I mean, it wasn't like super old or anything, but I mean, you know, I got it cheap. It was used. Um, that thing constantly had electric electrical problems. Like we dumped so much money into that. Wait, what was it? It was an Audi. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that reputation. Yep. Same thing with Jaguar. Jaguar has a bad reputation for maintenance. BMW has a sterling reputation for maintenance. Like basically, now there can be certain models that are lemons that I've heard about that basically just break all the time. But like the five series, I have two five series, and I mean they just they don't really have problems that often. Well, now my wife has a like my wife's got a Toyota, and I mean I got an Acura, but again that was a trade-in, so I mean it's basically a Honda. So yeah, so far so good. And Lexus own or Toyota owns Lexus, right, Steph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I'll bet you that a lot of the stuff in your car is just Lexus stuff. I know it's amazing. I love it. Or a lot of stuff in Lexus is it's just, just Toyota, Toyota stuff. stuff. No, no, the other way around. The other way around. <laughs> like you'll, yeah, you'll see that. Like whenever you have like a, whenever you have one of the higher end models, you'll see things like the door handles or like the shifter or something like that. You're like, oh my gosh, this is the same one in a Toyota. Like they only dress up like, you know, the, the, like the stuff around the trim and like maybe higher end shocks and tires, like there'll be some benefit, but like a lot of the, like the base components that you don't think about, it's just Toyota stuff. I mean, same thing with like, you know, anything else, like the higher end version, like it's basically the car, uh, you know, the, the off brand name car, um, except for like the dressings and the trimmings and like maybe some of the performance stuff. So kind of the weird bit that I didn't realize when I was talking to other like actual Germans is that BMW is considered kind of the Honda of like, if you live in Germany, like it's a middle of the road car. It's not like considered a luxury car. Well, it's like Mercedes, right? Yeah. I mean, I like think they have that's... luxury models and they have, I think they only sell the luxury models in the United States. And I think that there's a bunch of other models that have the same engineering that are just European only. You know, I think about Alfa Romero, like I occasionally see those cars. I don't, I don't know. It just seems like they're more expensive because they're not so, they're not so wildly known. Like that seems to be like the mystique. It's not like they're, they're so Italian, amazing. Right? It's just like that they're kind of rare. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that much about them. Hey, how often do you guys see Teslas down there? Because in my area, there are Constantly. 9 million Teslas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, millions of Teslas down here. Like, there, there's probably 20 Teslas on my road. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I feel like a couple it's years obnoxious. ago it was so exclusive, and now there's, like, everybody has a Tesla. But I also heard that you have to replace the battery in them every four years and that it's 20 grand. Is that a thing? I think it's that every seven or eight years. But and the like, price would be way more. Yeah, the price would be, like, more like 40. But, like, because I remember there was a famous YouTuber who um, – his Tesla broke down and they were like, Hey, you have to replace the batteries. And it was like $30,000 or 30,000 euros to replace the batteries. And so instead of doing that, he put it on a frozen lake and exploded it. <laughs> so it was like, a, you can look, you can just Google like a Tesla, you know, blow up my Tesla or something like that. And you can see the whole video. And it's like this Norwegian guy who's like, what? So I guess the cold like wreaks havoc with the batteries. 
So I don't know if that's going to be a thing in your area, Steph, because obviously it gets cold. Well, yes, yeah, like when they had the uh, when they had the hurricane, like you know, because salt water, I guess, really makes them explode. So there's like tons of Teslas like in Fort Myers, like exploding, because like the salt water would come in and like get up and just yep. like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, because they use lithium batteries. Same thing. Like if you leave your phone in salt water, it'll explode. Yeah, and you know, yeah, because uh, people... being environmentally conscious and everything, like you know, how right. wonder what the carbon footprint of that was. <laughs> The reason a lot of people are hesitant to get them in my area is because if you get a like if you're someone who drives in upstate New York a lot, like there's like I work in three different cities in upstate New York that are each an hour away from each other. So I spend a lot of time on highways and stuff. And that's most people have something like that. So then if I drove a Tesla and there was a snowstorm and I was on a highway, my chances of dying would massively increase because there's no way to get like like a, an emergency vehicle can bring gas to you to keep heat going in your car but they can't like charge a, an electric vehicle to keep the heat going in your car so in areas where there's a high risk of dying on a frozen highway electric cars are a terrible idea so i'm actually kind of surprised yeah. that i see so often chris i have a question i just saw the link you sent me i have questions it says it has questions i have questions new research says 16 percent of christians are lgbtetc what the heck is that and I have questions. Can you answer that? What is the T-E-T-C? Oh, is that just because? Got me. I don't know. The alphabet soup changes every day. So I, your guess is as good as mine. What did you read the article? Because I didn't. I'm in a Fortnite battle. Yeah, right I did. But it didn't didn't say what that means. It just. I think they just. So the surprising statistic wasn't the Protestant one. Because Protestants, uh, Catholics are like 1% more. Um, this is Gen Z kids are identifying. Um, so <laughs> something like uh, 22% of Mormon Gen Z kids are now identifying as LGBT. Oh, someone in the chat oh, it's said, oh, et cetera. Yeah. So is that the is that the new is that the newest thing? It's et cetera now because there's just too much. No, I think they're just making fun of it. Yeah, I, I actually don't think so. I think that may be legit. Like that would make sense. What were you saying, stuff about Mormons? What? Nothing about Mormons. Oh, oh, I was saying that the, the other statistic was that it was like 22% of Gen Z Mormon kids are identifying as LGBT. Except that that's like so skewed, right? Because whenever people think LGBTPS, they, they think automatically something to do with like gay stuff. But now that's not it. So it's like, you know, 50 years ago, it, it, or I don't know, 20 years ago, if they're like, oh, part of the LGBT umbrella. Well, it's like it, like 90% of that would have been like having to do something to do with like, you know, same sex something. Um, and then like, you know, a, a small percent of that would have maybe been like trans issues. But most of it would have been overwhelming, like, you know, homosexual. And now because it's like everything under the umbrella, it's like you could put like 90% of the human populace under the LGBT umbrella if you really wanted to like, you know, split hairs, because you just be like, oh, well, I, I, I don't know, um, under like well, there's an queer or whatever with, without understanding. So, I mean, you, you could like, you could orchestrate, you, you could, yeah, right, BIPOC two-spirit. Like, I mean, you can nuance it out to where like almost everyone on the planet could fit in one of those categories um, under the umbrella, but still be, um, they could be in that umbrella, even though they shouldn't be in that umbrella. Like, it's how you nuance it and how much you want to make it fit. So it's like, I, it's got to be like mostly cultural, um, I would think, 
which is people trying to be inclusive and stuff like that, not even understanding what they're doing. And they're like, sure, I identify as this. And it's like, are you gay? No. Are you trans? No. Are you this? Are you bi, what is it? BIPOC indigenous people of color or something? Well, well no. Are you two-spirit? No. What are you? I, I'm queer. Oh, well, what do you mean by that? Oh, well, you know, just not solidified, questioning, uh, you know, um, whatever. Like, do you have any, like, you know, latent tendencies one way or another? No. Then why do you identify under this? Well, to support my other, you know, the other people who are being persecuted and to be inclusive. It's like, so you really don't belong here at all, but you nuance it in a way to, to find a place to put a foothold so you can show solidarity. Well, yeah, um, who was that celebrity who just came out? She said that she was straight, right? She's a girl. She's, like, attracted to boys, but then she identifies as queer because she's an ally. So there's, like, there's a level of, there's a, a branch of queer now that's, like, straight allies. So how much of those people are we lumping in? Well, this is fun. Anyone else want to jump up on stage? Feel free. Raise your hand. Get up here. Walter, you've been quiet for a while. Are you processing everything you've heard today? No? Wonderful. Okay. Are you sitting in the uh, waiting room, Chris? I'm in the shower. Oh, did you drop your car off? Car is dropped off. I'm back home. I'm in the shower. I'm about to go go see a client. Don't drop the soap. What the heck? He's alone. Don't if not now, when am I ever going to get the chance to say that? What? I said, don't drop your camera. Ew! This is what, what is it with people? What is it with the the inordinate amount of people that shower while they're on this app talking? It has become know, a, a drug, ritual of mine. I I start up the shower, I put something to listen to, and I get it. Like I I can't shower in silence anymore, thanks to Clubhouse. It's like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I will put on anything. Like if you see me in a ratchet room. Like it's either I'm in the shower and couldn't find anything else to listen to, or it's midnight and I can't sleep and I'm learning about flat earth. It's one of the two. <laughs> Maybe you need the deliverance ministry from your ratchet roomness. No, I have very few vices in life and my ratchet clubhouse rooms are one of them. Leave it alone. It's fine. You came out swinging for that. Someone may think you uh, maybe are possessed a little. I'm convicted of nothing. I have no conviction about my naughty, nasty clubhouse rooms. Listen, I don't watch, I don't have a television, right? Like I have a TV with Netflix <laughs> and that's it. Like that is our only, uh, we don't have cable. I've never seen an episode of Desperate Housewives in my life. I don't know if reality TV is still a thing, you know? Uh, so you don't have a TV except for the TV you totally have. Uh, no, so I have Netflix, and the only one who uses it is my children. Like, listen, I've been trying to watch football, and I can't figure out how. Just because so you have a TV, Steph. I know you have a Roku TV. Stop trying to say it's television. not a TV because it's an internet TV. Yes, I've got a Roku television. But listen, if I'm trying to watch the Bills game, 
Okay, I can't. I can't find it. I don't know where it is. I don't get NBC. I don't get ABC. I don't get any local stations. I like, okay, that's the level of television I have. It's either, you know, Peppa Pig on Netflix <laughs> or it's nothing. I don't even know what's on Netflix because we don't use it. Anyway, so this is my entertainment. That's the whole thing. I don't, I don't have any spicy, saucy drama in my life right now. So leave me alone. Let me clubhouse. I mean, you know, who am I to judge? That's fine. I also don't know what you mean by ratchet. Like, I, I can imagine. Like, is it ratchet or is it ratchet? Well, okay. So there are some rooms on Clubhouse that I have been known to enjoy that are ratchet. There's, like, people that feud with each other, and it is over mm -hmm. nasty topics. Like, okay, mm -hmm. for a while there was these two people on Clubhouse, right? I'm going to divulge. All right. I'm not going to say any names because this is quite public. There was a girl who was prominent in the conservative circles. Okay. And everybody knew her. And then there was a guy who was prominent in the more liberal circles and everybody knew him. And they secretly had this relationship and they met at his house in Texas and had like a, 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 a um, whatever. They did a thing. Okay. It was apparently spicy. So then they had this breakup and he airs all of the escapades like everything he has videos the whole thing so he aired this entire like look at your conservative trader who came here and slept with me and did all this thing and then it went on for months and i was there for every minute that is ratchet i followed the whole thing i didn't wow that is juicier than any housewives show i think i don't know i don't watch it I didn't see any videos. I, there were pictures circulating. I didn't see any pictures. I didn't see any videos. I didn't see any of that. But I heard all of the rooms that were on it. I was there for. Okay. That's what I. You, you may have made Jesus Christ stuff. Well, Jesus had to hear it too, unfortunately. <laughs> Nate, are you a King of the Hill fan? Man, I haven't seen it forever. But yeah, I liked King of the Hill. I will tell you, you should watch it again because King of the Hill aged very well. <laughs> that show, I just, yeah. I saw it for like the first time a year ago and I was like, wow, this really is good. Yeah, this is good stuff. Okay, there's an episode of King of the Hill where Bobby is being like recruited to join a youth group by this skateboarding youth pastor. <laughs> uh. He has like dreadlocks and they do their youth group at the skate park. And so Hank finds out that Bobby is going to this like youth group and he's all upset because he's like, this isn't what church is. And, you know, we don't do this this way. And he goes and confronts the youth pastor and he's like, you cannot do church in a state park, in a, in a skate park. And the youth <laughs> pastor says something like, well, Jesus is here right now, so why not? And then Hank just fires back. I'm sure Jesus is a place in a lot of places he doesn't want to be, and I think of that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so there you. I feel like that's solid theology. King of the Hill had some solid theology in it. I like King of the Hill. You know, South Park was my uh, guilty pleasure. South Park was on the nose. They always nailed it. Yeah, it's more intellectual than you would think, South Park. I, had I never liked Beavis and Butthead. That was just too stupid. What? Beavis? Yeah, that's the thing. Beavis and Butthead is like fart humor, but South Park is like... I had read this thing about 
comedy shows that were more cerebral than you'd think. And then the, the author of the article broke down which shows and why. And the top two were South Park and Futurama. And they argued that like the writer, like the, the shows appeal to both the fart humor crowd and the very intellectual crowd. And that very few shows have been able to pull that off. So I have new respect for those. Yeah, the new season of Futurama is really good. I never got into that. Steph, Rick and Marty blend together very low um, brow jokes with um, intellectual jokes. I hate Rick and Morty. I don't even know anything about them other than I just don't like I just don't like looking at them. I don't think I've ever watched the ep- like watched any episodes or like watched them. I just like don't like the animation. Okay. Well, that's, that's the one with like the that, that's the one with like the the professor guy and like the right. Yeah, he's a crazy scientist, and he goes on adventures with his grandson. But they definitely do like very low brow jokes, and then they mix it in with uh, intellectual social commentary. Jokes. So it's it's a nice blend that way. And like Family Guy, I can't stand Family Guy. Family Guy did not make the cut for being cerebral enough for this article. This was written not, before. They they tried. Family Guy didn't make the they cut for future. Yeah. Yeah, Family Guy takes too many low blows. Like, you know. South Park is like really effective social commentary. It it's it's gross and it's it's like super low hanging fruit, but then they ask big questions and they don't answer them i appreciate something mm-hmm. tom cruise will not come out of the closet <laughs> tom cruise is back in the closet oh no he went back in the closet <clears throat> oh i saw this meme that said like uh, scientology for when mormons need someone to make fun of that tracks so since we're not talking about anything, I have a problem that maybe some of you parents can help me with. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Chad and I have been having, we've all, we've wanted our kids home, right? But then we both work. So we've had to try to figure this out. So what we've historically done is both tried to work part-time and someone's always at work and someone's always home with the kids. But then what ends up happening is like, we never see each other and it becomes incredibly stressful and he has to work nine to five. So then I end up working like five to one in the morning and then I get all grumpy. It just doesn't work. So we finally, finally have hired a babysitter, which has, she's amazing. Her name is Maggie. Maggie is here every day so far. And she is like changing our lives, right? This is her sixth or seventh day here. And the baby hates her. The baby sees her coming and starts screaming and running for the door, like looking to escape. What do I Set up a nanny cam. Make sure she's not like, you know, torturing your child. She's and if, not. If I'm just, here all day. There's well, no. If it's, just like, a, if it's just a grumpy baby, be like, sorry, baby, deal with it. I think that she has realized that Maggie takes her away from me. And so now she like can't. She just sees her coming and gets yeah. so upset. I just feel like that's. I don't know. Yes, deal with it, baby. And if Maggie's willing to deal with the screaming and crying and the fussiness, then, you know, good on Maggie. But sorry, kid. That's how it is. I don't know if this is going to help you, but I can tell you my story. My baby hated me. Well, I worked, I know I thought. 
and my wife and my baby hated me, and she he Wait, you would what? not let me get near him. Did anyone else lose? I, I worked, I worked out of the house, and my wife stayed home. A lot. And my baby, my bo- baby boy, hated me. He just did not want me ever. And no, I didn't know what to do about it. And then the next child was born, and I took care of him exclusively. And now he's very attached to me, but he does not like me. Every time I get near her, she doesn't want me. So I don't know how this is going to help you, but it seemed like just taking care of him for a couple of nights it bonded with me. And now, like, she she's six months and she hates me. Seven months. So you're saying I touch her to touch streaming. Oh yeah, and, and, but it, it changes by care. Like when, you know, when she takes care of the baby. I, and I don't know if he's all your girl. And well, the baby like, gets like care. So, Steph, you know, I took care, took care of two-year-olds every week for 13 years. What will happen is it will take about four or five weeks and then that baby is going to forget all about you and just want the babysitter. No, I don't like that. I either. hate to tell you. I know. I'm just saying. So uh, good adult. What's up? Did you have anything to say about this? Uh, no, no, not about parenting. I did have a question for you, Nate, uh, as I often do, but not about parenting. Well, let me ask if uh, Steph has got her answer satisfactor- satisfactorily addressed. Yes, throw the baby at Maggie. Uh, pray that Maggie stays and doesn't quit while this baby is screaming at her all day, every day, and eventually the tables will turn. Got it. Correct. Happens every time. All right, good adult. What's up? Uh, good morning to you or afternoon. I'm not sure what, where the time is where you're at. Um, uh, my question was actually um, biblical in, 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 uh, in manner to some degree. I recall you and I having a conversation several weeks ago, and you referenced perhaps trying to look to select a different church because you were unsatisfied with the leadership, and I think it was their position on uh, woman preaching, I believe, was the concern you were having. I was wondering if you had ever found um, a new home church. Uh, there is another church that I'm helping with the music stuff. I'm playing some music at their church, so I, I pretty much go there. It's like as a favor to a friend who goes there who needs music. Um, so, I mean, I, I haven't, like, you know, formally made some kind of switch, but I have been going there. Um, yeah, so I'm still – yeah, so I still go to this church. Um, I think they do a good job in, like, the kids' ministry. And stuff like that. So uh, the answer is yes and no. So I am going to another church that is more sound um, as far as that issue. But also it's incredibly small. There's virtually nothing for the kids. Um, So I'm still also going to the other church in the meantime. um, Because I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So I know that they're not talking about women pastors in children's church. Um, so they're, they, they're getting the basics and I appreciate that. So I'm currently in both worlds. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. And I appreciate the, the answer as always. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm praying that, uh, God's will be done in your life and, uh, he puts you where you need to be. Ah, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Anything else on your mind? No, sir. No, no, not this time. Oh, oh I, mm, no, not it. No, I'm good. Appreciate do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Well, fine. Uh, I was, um, uh, you know, the same silliness round and round and about we go uh, as it pertains to the uh, 
understanding of the Godhead, uh, um, uh, I guess the new, not the new, I shouldn't say new, uh, the question that I saw pondered the other day uh, in my group, my friend group was along the lines of uh, how do you as a Trinitarian go about differentiating if they're all co-equal parts, all three are equal, the equality, how do you go about parsing that when we see in scripture and it says that the, when Jesus says the father is greater than I, uh, John 14 is one location, there's other locations where he speaks about how his father is greater than him. Um, how do you um, balance that with it being um, the equality of it all? Uh, the same way I would take the the other scriptures that talk about the co-equalness, co-eternalness of God. Um, but the real answer when he says father is greater than, you know, the father knows, the father's greater than I, the father's greater than all, all these things. Like, I forget the terminology Chris uses, but um, so it's going to be more wordy. But essentially, it's like there, it's a role assignment. So it's their agreed upon role, like, you know, Christ submitted. Christ, uh, you know, it doesn't say like Philippians 2, 6, like Christ being in nature God took the form of a servant. Uh, no one no one made him. The father didn't like command uh, you know Jesus to take this form. He willingly agreed to like do this. Just like the Holy Spirit w the Holy Spirit would be like in the role of comforter, right? So no one said, "Here's your assignment, Holy Spirit. Uh, you're dominated to be a comforter because the Father is greater." This is like a role. So it's like the Holy Spirit would take this role of being comforter. Jesus says, "I'll send a comforter." That doesn't mean he like dominates and commands somehow the Holy Spirit to go. It means these are like things harmoniously unified and agreed upon that, you know, Christ will be the body. Christ will be the sacrifice for the sin. Uh, during that's what the I would incarnation. Say. What? That's it. That, like, during the incarnation, that hierarchy existed. So that that's, that's yeah. how it we... Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we went. Um, my group, a friend group, and I went round and round and round on this, um, and and you could not come to a conclusion. But uh, okay, I I guess I understand where you're coming from. Uh, you, they are co-equal, but there's a hierarchy. But they're co-equal, but there is a hierarchy. Gotcha. During the incarnation, so like when Christ humbled himself and came to earth and was obedient and submissive to the Father, this was a demonstration during his fleshly time on earth. Showing us this is how we behave towards the Father, which, as Nate said, Christ willingly took on that role. But that is not like that is specific to Christ's physical time on earth. Yeah, it's like all analogies will break down, but let's just say, good, you and I go into a partnership equal, 50 50. We are co equal. Uh, we own a business, we own a tire shop. Um, we agree that you will be the manager. You're the suit and tie and you know, have lattes in your office and you'll make, you know, you'll make uh, the main decisions and stuff like that. And I will be getting grubby and grimy and changing tires and oil and be doing like the most physical, you know, um, labor. Um, we agreed upon that role. I didn't force you to take, you know, a nice cushy job. You didn't force me to take this grubby work. We agreed for whatever reason. So we are still co-equal owners. All analogies break down, but take that as you will. I don't think that's a bad one. Like, you know, we still are equal partners, equal owners. We just agreed that I will take one job that you may say is less than, and your job is greater than, but you're not greater than me. I'm not lesser than you. We just made an agreement. During the I don't think that was a terrible analogy. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good, Nate.
All right, everyone, I think it's lunchtime. I am going to catch up on some of my TV because I will actually admit that I do own a TV. And uh, <laughs> what are you going to watch? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've got so many things on my watch list that people keep telling me about. Um, there is there is a new I, I don't remember. There was a new show someone just told me about and I, I'm going to have to like find it and start watching it. I, I have uh, Velocipaster. That's on one of my movie watch lists. Um, I, I've heard good things about that. It's on Steph's movie watch list too. Apparently it's for free on YouTube, Steph. Someone said they were watching it and it was it was pretty good. They they put it up there with like Sharknado. Sharknado. So uh <laughs> Vol Velocipaster. The uh, cover has like a shark coming out of the ocean um with like a bunch of dinosaurs running around and a pastor with a, a crucifix. So, you know, I guess it's going to be a Catholic what? thing. Okay. Oh, Joanna, you made it back. Do you want to do you want to try your microphone before we run? Yes, please. There was uh, earlier people talking about this uh, twin soul thing. Is that what oh, they yeah. were saying, Stephanie? Yeah, so um yeah. I just like to say so I accept that Jesus touched on what I need to know for salvation. But when people come across other things like Oh, if I say to Steph, I met this person in the supermarket who I never met before, but I felt this connection. So then people will, they, they'll try to conjure up. How did that happen? Is it something maybe that's not in the Bible? And they'll go down. I hate, I'm going to say, I'm going to dare to say, they'll go down this rabbit hole and thinking, well, maybe they had a past life, but yet it's not scriptural or maybe this and maybe that. And I would just encourage people, yeah, we, when we feel these things, I would just say, try not to entertain too much of the woo-woo, because it could lead into a dangerous path. Thank you. Agreed. Oh, totally agreed. And yeah, the soul tie thing, like what we were talking about earlier, uh, yeah, that falls right in line with what you and I were talking about even more previously which is don't get bogged down in stuff that does not matter. So it's like, you know, by the time we're talking about soul ties and twin souls, twin souls and soul fragmentation, it's like, all right, you guys talk about that. I'm just going to go up to the cross, repent, believe the gospel. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's interesting to talk about and go and like flesh out your theology and what you believe and why you believe it. But if it gets to, you know, if it gets to that certain point where you're like, I don't know, this sounds weird. Um, remember, it has nothing to do with your eternal salvation. So it doesn't matter um, if you talk about it or if you. Yeah, I, I don't know if you want to research it more like where, wherever you go down that path, it ultimately is not a salvation issue. I mean, unless you get into like the white sage, like actual witchcraft and stuff like that, then turn around and go back. But like for what we were talking about, about like what's theological nece theologically necessary, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. Thank you. And thank you, Gavin. I'm sorry. Um, hope to see you again. Everyone, I appreciate you all being here. Because with the update, I was really saying, wow, I'm going to miss Steph. I, if I don't see her, I'm going to miss CEO. So, amen. Thank we are still here. We survived. Good to 
Yeah, and like hopefully the new update, people were seeing with, with, with the new update, they were seeing some live rooms. Like I guess you you can still only follow, like only see who you follow and stuff like that. But um, I, I guess what, who's done the update? Like not the one yesterday. Apparently there was one this morning, um, which I haven't got notified of. So is that is that true? Are people able to start seeing more oh. more rooms? Yeah, I noticed yesterday that all of the live rooms were at the top of my hallway, which was new. <laughs> So I think they're trying to do something like it used to be that all the live rooms were dispersed, but now they were all right at the top. So hopefully they're doing something to figure that out. I'm still really disappointed with the whole situation. Like, like what, I mean, why would they even do that in the first place? And then secondly, why wouldn't they just like hit the undo button? Like, you know, hit the reset to like three days ago and like, just, just give it back the way it was. Like, I, I don't know. They invested too much money to do the latter. I think what they could have did was they could have just added features one at a time instead of like the whole reason. All right. Well, everyone enjoy your day and I guess we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, Joanna and everyone else. Go find some ratchet room stuff. Oh, I'm gonna. (laughs) You're already there. Bye.